hello and welcome to Ultra Q episode 12. Uh, my name is Red. I am joined by Mal. It is the law of nature to suck the beta capsule goo. That is the legitimate right that has been given to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh no! Uh, um, <laughs> I'm also joined by Razin. Uh, hi, it's me, uh, American Prometheus. I'm not doing the voice this time because I'm so uh, devastated by the... Um, by the uh, monster anarchy zone uh, being allowed to uh, persist for this long. Um, this is what happened when we don't support local law enforcement. Damn. Yeah. Rip. Um, anyway, yeah, we watched three more episodes of Ultraman. Um, we're going to get into some shit, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but first things first. Uh, it is finally time for me to pull the trigger on actually talking about one of these shows for real. Uh, I've been watching Captain Scarlet. Um, which is a Jerry Anderson puppet show. Uh, it's about the Mysterons, who were just sitting on Mars, nice and peacefully, and then got shot at by humanity, and decided that humans needed to fucking go. Oh, I love Space um, Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing scene where the Mysterons meet humans for the first time and point a camera at them to be like oh humans are so curious about the universe let's take a closer look at them um and then the humans in the in the rover are like that's a fucking gun they're gonna attack (laughs) and then (laughs) destroy the alien base um but the the problem that the mysterons have in their attempts to wipe out humanity um is that one man keeps foiling their plans captain scarlet now, if one man was foiling my evil plans, you know what I would do? I would destroy him. But wait, there's a problem. The Mysterons can't just destroy Captain Scarlet because he is the indestructible Captain Scarlet. Oh, shit. <laughs> he is, through some plot stuff in the first episode, he winds up with a body that restores its retro metabolism. Um, it's to do with... it's literally to do with like time powers like reversing the time of matter that sounds like something each and otani would say Uh, yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and you know captain captain scarlet his superpower is i can do suicide missions and do them again (laughs) (laughs) i can just i can just keep doing them over and over again i'll be fine the ending of mass effect 2 was not a problem for captain scarlet yeah he was fine (laughs) He can handle it. Um, Captain Scarlet's great. It's um, the Mysterons are really, really, really cool. Uh, it's it's doing some extreme like Cold War shit because like the Mysterons they they uh, replace people with doubles um, using their retro metabolism powers, um, and uh, so you know it's always like uh, some uh, someone who has been replaced like, body snatchers style uh, by a Mysteron agent who's fucking everything up. Um, and, you know, Captain Scarlet and Co. Um, Captain... The other... So... Captain Blue, Captain Scarlet's partner, gets all... First of all, he doesn't have as cool a name. I don't know why he doesn't get to be, like, Captain Azure or something. <laughs> He's just... <laughs> like, it's not Captain Red and Captain Blue. Um... But uh, Captain Blue gets to be cool, which I was I was very happy about. Um, there's a uh, you know some sometimes he's he he's the one that fixes the problem. It's good. Um, I'm liking Captain Scarlet. Uh, 
the puppet mm. the, the <laughs> episode one introduces uh, a vehicle where they have to sit backwards in it for safety um it's never explained again after episode one uh, <laughs> so which i remember being confused about this when i was a child i remember being confused about the fact that they were sitting backwards in the vehicle and i was like why why i don't know it's like what you do with like kids and baby seats these days you have them facing the opposite direction in case you get into a crash uh, so um so so yeah that's uh i you know i'm learning things i'm uh but um, I know that there's, because there was a Captain Scarlet cartoon, a, like a CGI uh, animated show uh, that got made with Jerry Anderson's involvement back in like 2010 or something uh, that I remember watching. Uh, I And I found <laughs> episodes of it online. Oh, that shit don't look good. <laughs> oh. Uh, the CGI aged worse than just putting puppets on the screen, it turns out. Um, I could believe that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, everyone should watch the opening scene of Captain Scarlet, where um, <laughs> it's just the most incredible scene I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, they just destroy the aliens, and the aliens just rewind time on all the matter uh, and go, okay. Well, you fucked up. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm going to keep up with Captain Scarlet. I'm not going to check in loads because I, I don't even know that that show ends. Ends. I just know that it like finishes. I don't... I expect it ends on like the fight continues, right? Makes um, sense. But yeah. Uh, Captain he... Scarlet be invoked. <laughs> Captain Scarlet be invoked. <laughs> It would be amazing. It would be amazing. Um, the um, the other thing that I've been doing is, uh, as, as a break from uh, Age of Empires campaigns, I've played Red Alert 3 uh, because it's the funny FMV game. Um, and, you know, I know it's standalone compared to the other Red Alerts and Command and Conquers. Uh, like, it's not tied to any of the timeline stuff. Um and it's got the Tim Curry stuff that everyone yeah. posts on the internet. And I was like, yeah, I'll play this game. Um, I did know about the other stuff that no one posts on the internet because it's a little bit more embarrassing, which is all the George Takei being the Emperor of Japan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Doing like... Oh, it's wild. Um, There's some uh, extremely... Uh, basically, there's three factions. Uh, one of them is uh, comedy... Uh, Team America allies. Um, the other is um, comedy Soviets, and the third one is uh, racism. <laughs> it's just, oh no! It, it's, it's just Japan. Um, it's extremely, you know, they've they've. Uh, it's bad. It's really bad. It's really bad. I feel um, like I feel like we might see some common threads this episode. Yeah, um, and I don't know that it's the game is the campaign is worth it like i've been playing the campaigns and something has stuck out to me that has annoyed me which is that they're tutorials they're tutorials for how to play the faction and that's not what i want i don't that's not it's just like drip feed of new unit for each faction and i'm like i don't i want to play a video game 
I don't want to play a tutorial. I'm I'm not going to play multiplayer. But the video game is loads. multiplayer, right? Yeah. I don't want to play Red Alert 3. I don't want to play uh, multiplayer for a game that is basically dead, except for the people who are really, really good at it. Um, so, you know, rip. Uh, I'm, so I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to... I've played the soviet campaign and the allied campaign there's some standout stuff in there jonathan price is like the british allied guy <laughs> um jk simmons is the gung-ho president of the united states who wants to obliterate moscow <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh yeah there's yeah there's there's good stuff uh there's a um oh, one of the was the scandinavian actors the, the the ones that are all like related Skarsgårds. There's one of, I, I feel like I have no idea. Skarsgård, Red Alert three. I feel like uh, one of them is in there. You mean the important faction, the Kingdom of Scandinavia? Am I thinking of Peter Stormare? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thinking. I think. I think. Yeah, the Kingdom of Scandinavia. Did you just say? Yes. Cursed. Get out of here. <laughs> um, yes, I was thinking of Peter Stormare. I was not thinking of the Skarsgårds at all. Um, yeah, Peter Stormare is in it as a uh, the scientist that invents time travel, and then they go back in time and kill Einstein. Um, uh, I think I just want to play original Command and Conquer, is what I'm going to do, but uh, the remasters look bad. I, I don't... Here's the thing. People are entitled to their opinion, and my opinion is that if you think the remastered visuals of Command & Conquer look better, uh, you are objectively wrong. Um, and that's my opinion that people have to respect. Uh, the It's like... Uh, like you, you can turn it off, but also there's all the cutscenes have been like upscaled and they have been letterboxed to fit widescreen. And it's... Uh, I i i was looking at it i was like this is the worst this is the worst thing ever and the people were like oh yeah it's great so much attention to detail and like oh they really care about this and i was like shut up get the, get the, <laughs> get the fuck out of here idiot um so yeah um i'm mad about that so i'm gonna i don't here's the thing i don't know if playing old pc games is more straightforward or less straightforward than playing old console games but i don't know how to do it either way so i'm gonna have to look into that i, I would say i would say it's less straightforward i've definitely struggled struggled way more getting old pc shit to run than i ever have with console stuff i don't even know well fuck <laughs> um i will so here's the thing though yeah. Like, there's almost always some weirdo out there who has done the work before you, and there's probably, like, a 10-page forum thread of fixes to get whatever you want to run to work. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, like, my, my go-to was going to be just checking on GOG, because, like, they tend to just, like, do all that work up front for an old game and just, like, like then just sell it. Yeah. Um, uh, not for Command & Conquer. Uh, I expect that's because EA has its hands on it. Um, I yeah. Oh well, uh, that's kind of me. I have I've I haven't really done much else. Uh, if anyone else wants to go, because I'm I'm finished. 
Uh, remember at the very start of this podcast when I said I was going to talk about Oshinoko and I got a little further in and then I never talked about it? Oh, you mean the one that just <laughs> got episode one of its anime came out? <laughs> yep. Episode uh, one that's a feature-length film? <laughs> yes, I figured, I figured this would be a good time for me to finally talk about Oshinoko. The problem is, it's not like I just didn't read more after saying that. The problem is I kept I kept reading more, and I feel like the more I read, the more I'm like, this is really complicated to just talk about without saying too much. Um, I will also throw in that I also saw episode one. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Um, Oshinoko is in my opinion, a pretty good manga about the entertainment industry and what it means to be an entertainer and involve yourself with the the process of making things for a, for a mass market audience. Um, it is also, uh, maybe has one of the most alienating premises <laughs> that I've seen from something in a long while. Uh, I will, I will say this because, uh, way back when, when the pilot, uh, not pilot, original chapter came out and i read it and i was like i'm on board until the last two pages and i'm out <laughs> and it took me until this first episode to go back in <laughs> yeah. so um our friend jackson has a tweet that i think about a lot when talking about oshinoko oh for fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> which is a tweet yes uh which is uh someone saying oh i've started watching anime lately i really like jujutsu kaisen smiley face uh, and then the most annoying guy in your university replies, dude, you have to check out the smallest balls with the biggest come in another world. It's doing really interesting things with the genre. I feel like that guy when I talk about how good Oshinoko <laughs> is, which is part of the reason it has not appeared on this podcast. Um, Oshinoko is about an obstetrician who is obsessed with a 16-year-old idol. Uh, keep in mind that this is an adult man. Uh, people around him find this very creepy because honestly, let's be real, it kind of is. Um, however, he, he, he has pure reasons, quote unquote, for liking her because he had a patient he was really close to, uh, perhaps too close, IMO. Um, she was 12. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and they made a marriage vow. It's fucked up. <laughs> Very bad. Um, and, uh, she was really into this idol named I. And uh, be- because uh, the- this poor terminally ill girl had had such a-, a-, a love and passion for this idol, eventually that that uh, impacts him as well. Uh, his patient dies. It- it- he feels really bad about it. So like he carries on the love of this idol for the patient, who he honestly is like very bad vibes close to. Um, like there's literally just a scene where he's like, "Oh, whenever you're like legal age, I'll marry you." Bad, 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 bad. Not good. Um, anyways, uh, so he's out here being a doctor in this rural town, um, and eventually he gets a patient who is, uh, coming to him in disguise. It is none other than the idol he is obsessed with, who, um, is pregnant with twins and can't let anyone know about it, because obviously that's a big no-no for the idol industry. Uh, her career will be over, all that sort of thing, so she needs to give birth in private. So... He decides, uh, I'm, I'm clearly the doctor for the job, uh, and, uh, I will, I will happily deliver these two, uh, babies for my favorite idol in the world. Uh, he then gets murdered and is reincarnated as the child of this idol. Okay, uh, uh, cutting in right here to say that, uh, this is where chapter one of the manga ends <laughs> and where I got off. 
Uh, it is also the first 20 minutes of this one and a half hour long first episode. <laughs> Um, I don't know how much further... This is the problem. I don't know how much further I want to go other than I... I So, if you're reading the manga, which in my opinion, I think the manga is a little... I, I think the manga is the way to go on this. I don't think the anime adaptation is bad. I just think the story lends itself a little bit more to being read and the pacing that comes with that versus being watched. Um, but I, I think the anime is perfectly serviceable if you want to go that route. What I would tell people is... Get to the part, if you're reading the manga, there's going to be a part where it verily, deliberately says this is the end of the prologue, uh, and you will know, something big happens. Uh, similarly, this is what is covered all the way up through episode one. Um, there's been a lot of talk about people being like, why did they basically make a movie for their first episode? Uh, in my opinion, that's really the only way to go with this, because otherwise you would get three disparate episodes that are not really indicative of what the rest of the show is um it is a lot of setup for for a, a story that is being told that is about very i don't want to say different things because there's a through line there's definitely like themes that are being set up here but the the story becomes something else very quickly than yeah. what you may expect uh mel how did you feel about it oh <laughs> uh, i actually really enjoyed it um i think so like what i bounced off really hard against the first chapter of the manga when it came out i just felt like the premise was I didn't know what to think of it. I just felt like, I don't know if I want to be here for it. But, like, over the years, I've, like, had friends who, like, said the manga was good, uh, at least in the first parts. I have a friend who doesn't like where it's been recently, but, you know, I, I have also friends who are just, like, on board with it. And, like, I think at some point, I was, like, spoiled on, like, the big thing that happens at the end of the movie that, like, is, like, the end of the prologue thing. And I thought, like, okay, so that's that's an interesting way for this to go. I'm not sure how I feel about it, but it does make me more interested. And so like going into this with like knowing like already, like what, cause like, I think like part of it was like, maybe it's the, the surprise of where the first chapter went and like having, you know, the knowledge being able to go, okay, I'm going to approach this on my turn on this on its own terms. I know what sort of like how, where this movie is probably going to end. Uh, and I'm interested in seeing like how they execute on that. And I think it was just like, just entertaining seeing like the stuff that like follows from like that first uh initial chapter post like reincarnation and seeing sort of seeing like this new status quo with the new characters and like growing fond of them even if there's also like this is there is questionable eye rising stuff in this yeah like, uh, uh, I, like I the screen have... cap i took uh that mel quoted uh of <laughs> yes. of the daughter saying it is simply the law of nature for a daughter like me to suck her mother's breast <laughs> razin um you you really are going out of your way here <laughs> uh by the author clear. of kaguya sama yes wait for oh yes i've forgotten about that bit that's so funny <laughs> Kaguya-sama is so normal. From what I understand, Kaguya-sama is his most normal work. Oh, I really need to. Is. I really need to get to that at some point. Uh, but right, what you say? I mean, listen, Kaguya-sama, Death Note, Romance, it's good. Um, I, I was just saying, really going out of your way to emphasize, uh, Sicko's content. 
it's like here's the thing i have seen people watch this first episode and get all the way through and genuinely be so off put by the premise that they're like i i fucking can and i respect those people i i do not think there's anything wrong with that uh this is not for everyone i do think that there's enough i do think the fact that it's kind of a sickos thing is being used intentionally to convey things about these characters i don't think it's all like i don't think it's like genuinely like depraved in like a way that i find like personally offensive but like there is some skeevy ass shit going on here that is absolutely going to turn people off and i i think that you should Mm. go into it with that knowledge yeah Uh, Yeah. for what it's worth i watched it uh like yeah i bounced off it before but i think like coming in with like foreknowledge i came into it and it was like oh actually i enjoyed this i'm on for whatever the fuck this absurd ride is going to be (laughs) Yeah, there, there, there is meat on these bones in a way that uh, there isn't for other stuff that maybe has this vibe, I would say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unlike other isekai, this one is, oh I know. It's not, I, I'm so mad, like, someone was complaining this show is bad because an isekai is like, no, that's not what isekai means, just because reincarnation happens, you stupid <laughs> idiot. Oh, man. But yeah, the other know. world is the entertainment industry, though. Uh, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> isekai is when isekai is when you go so isekai is when you wind up somewhere different from where you were before. True. Um, isekai, isekai is, is when isekai is when I go to France, <laughs> reincarnated as an Idaho farmer's baby. <laughs> oh no! I can just smell the agro agro traditionalism in that story. Yes, <laughs> classic. Uh, speaking. <laughs> Do we have anything more about uh, Oshinoko? Because no, I, I, I have not. a segue from that. Okay. Hit me. Uh, so, speaking of uh, maybe things that are weirdly traditionalist, uh, I saw Return of the King Extended Edition in theaters for oh, the 20th yeah. anniversary. Uh, hey, that's a good fucking movie. Uh, also, so, um, late last year i had just rewatched fellowship extended edition because it, you know it, it had been a minute since i had uh, watched the lord of the rings movies and those are good movies and i was like hey uh, i should just rewatch the trilogy and uh, go with the extended edition cuz uh you know i honestly it's been a while since i've seen the theatrical one but they're just they're not they're inferior movies but they're better stories in a way like the pacing gets killed but the character arcs are a lot more complete um, so I, mm-hmm. I just tend to prefer the extended editions for that reason alone. When I watch the theatrical ones, uh, they're a little bit more fun of a roller coaster, but there are so many things missing where it's just like, oh, this is not like this story just has pieces missing in a way that's very distracting to me. Um, mm. so I watched Fellowship late last year, had a good time with that. And, uh, I didn't get around to Two Towers until, uh, earlier this week because, uh, hey, watching, finding the time to watch a four-hour movie, not always the easiest. Um, and then, uh, Fathom announced that they were doing a 20th anniversary screening of Return of the King, and I went, well, hey, this is a good excuse for me to, uh, finish up that rewatch of, uh, the trilogy here. So I watched Two Towers, still probably my favorite of the trilogy, I just think it has a good balance of everything I like about Lord of the Rings. Um, Return of the King is uh, my one <laughs> takeaway from my revisit of Return to the King. Uh, well, first thing, actually, is uh, I don't know what changed, but I always remembered the ending of Return of the King, which is famous for being so goddamn long. Um, 
I, I used to remember it as kind of being a little bit like pulling teeth. I, I don't know what it was, but in the theater, I didn't mind it. Like, I didn't feel the length of it at all, um, which was interesting to me. I, I really imagined that when credits hit, I would be so fucking ready to get out of there. But uh, no, it, it I don't know. I, I just went through the full four hour plus uh, experience without any real uh, itch to like just wrap things up. Um, but, uh, the other thing I have to say is, boy, uh, it's really fucking weird how they're talking about, uh, having to defend the white city from the, uh, orcs who speak the black speech and the, uh, eastern mercenaries. <laughs> it's, uh, not some common threads in this episode, maybe. Uh, yeah. There's some, yeah. There's, there's some charge of the Hussars fantasy going on with Rohan. However... Theoden is the coolest guy in the world. <laughs> he is very cool. Um, yeah, I I have very complicated... Like, I, I've always liked Tolkien stuff, but boy, is he very reactionary and really wishes that uh, England went back to a, a more proper way of being. <laughs> there's, like, there's, like, a bit in... Towards the end of uh, The Return of the King book where um aragorn is is crowned and they talk about him being like the sea kings of old who landed on the shore and i was like bro you just so saxon pilled it's like <laughs> it's like he there's nothing he loves more than king alfred you can't get over it to be to be fair to tolkien he is a scholar of beowulf i mean this is this like that that's the that's the that's the bit where it's like the books are sick um is the yeah yeah uh um but it, i mostly i mostly just found it funny um how how often i was like it's like so so anglo <laughs> it's like you, you no one has ever been more but um yeah. i think the i think the primary thing i came away with uh the funniest part of the books uh was when faramir revealed he had a not like an orc not anything against orcs he had a human ethnicity tier list <laughs> what he i do gra- he, he like i do grades, remember this he, yeah he grades human ethnicities in it, like with frodo and sam for a second he's like well yeah obviously like the numenorians are up here and then there's like the rohan people they're like second and then there's everyone else that kind of come third <laughs> it's wild okay it's you are the third so me included you are the third person uh who revisited those books and that was uh also a big takeaway because that part is honestly really fucking wild um my friend claire had the same uh same deal when she reread them not too long ago he just ranks them straight up it's like bro okay (laughs) yeah and like there is some stuff in like the whole middle earth saga that i can like get behind as like i i do think the 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 fears of the burgeoning industry and how the environment is being impacted by that all that stuff or whatever genuinely like okay i can get behind that which i feel like is also part of the reasons why too i am a much bigger fan of uh the two towers that i am return of the king uh by the time we get to return of the king oh boy do we really want to suck off the monarchy uh and it's it's just a lot of a lot of bad vibes around what you are owed and uh, the the burden of the leader, and it's yeah. Um, I uh, 
I, I am not a fan of how Tolkien um, portrays his uh, his his vision of what evil looks like is very fraught these days. <laughs> um, bad time, bad time. But uh, I did unfortunate yeah. that like it's also just the benchmark for modern fantasy. Yeah, I mean, honestly, too, that that is one thing that this has become a major topic of discussion and especially like dungeons and dragons and and greater fantasy tabletop role-playing circles uh because of just the like racial essentialism that is on display between like oh this all orcs are like this all dwarves are like and there's a lot of horrible racist stuff that comes with that um and and you can really tell especially in the past decade or so fantasy is having a moment with reconciling these carryovers that can be traced all the way back to tolkien um that being said if uh if you're listening to this and have never experienced lord of the rings and and you like fantasy i feel like it's kind of a it's it's kind of a required reading thing and i do genuinely still like lord of the rings overall it's just every time i revisit it it's like oh god we we have advanced uh quite a bit from how we were uh depicting these ba- con- these uh cosmological conflicts of good and evil and uh what that looked like uh since then in the decades to come uh I'll, my, yeah, my, honestly might want to wash it down with some more cock he, he was a little bit better with that <laughs> oh i should read some fucking elric um you I should been, I, here's the thing here's the thing i have been like for years now i've been looking at elric like has no one is there has no one just published a thing where i can read them in the order they were written (laughs) um uh the answer is yes and it is now out of print because i had the same issue a few years back (laughs) ah damn but the um the thing the thing with lord of the reading the lord of the rings is that uh here's the thing the walking is not always boring the walking is something the walking is often fine it's fine it's fine. Sometimes they try to climb. Sometimes they spend a whole chapter trying and failing to climb a mountain, and it's pretty good. Yeah. I I enjoy the the travel aspect of of those books quite a bit, and I I would say that Tolkien has a way of highlighting the journey and the minutiae of moments without getting too lost in the details. That I know some people find them boring to go through. Personally, I feel like every I feel like he is very careful at crafting his stories in a way where the journey is such a burden on the characters that when the moments of camaraderie shine through, you really feel for the characters in a way. Like, the Fellowship feels like an honest-to-God uh, companion group in a way that I think really shines in ways that uh, imitators that came after still honestly kind of struggle with. So, Yeah. Well, you heard it here uh, first, everyone. Uh, the Lord of the Rings pretty good. Yeah. How's a uh, House of Dragon? <laughs> um I, Yeah, um I'm I I remember reading A Song of Ice and Fire uh and then um I gave up. I, gotta I like honest, I like I got to be honest, I was trying to think of the Lord of the Rings TV show I just completely forgot the name. Rings of Power. Uh Rings of Power was bad to okay oh wow that ringing endorsement <laughs> yeah it so like honestly it started pretty bad and it it grew on my friend group and i to the point where when it was done we're like yeah it was all right 
there's a there's a dumb twist towards the end that was really obvious and they they chose the safest possible option for who a real character for who a character's true identity was in a way that kind of just made me go yeah I don't if they had picked literally anyone else I would have been like yeah I would watch a season two but I'm I'm I hope it I don't know I don't really think it should come back. <laughs> mm. Rip. Wow. Silmarillion's killer though I'll always go die on this hill. There's a point where a giant spider shows up and God's like, I didn't fucking make that. I don't know where that came from. That rules. <laughs> this also nice. happens in Ultra Q. <laughs> <laughs> this does happen in Ultra Q. Yeah, uh, aside from that, I've just been on the fighting game grind. I ordered custom uh, stick art, so I'm excited for that to come. Oh, nice. And uh, I'll post pictures on Twitter when that's all done. Sick. Nice. Uh, Mel. Hello. What you been doing? Uh, so this past week, I watched the Super Mario Brothers movie, the 1993 live-action movie. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, incidentally, I also watched the Super Mario Brothers movie, the 2023 uh-huh. animated film. How do they compare? Okay, so briefly, um, I rewatched the live-action movie. I I watched that like a years years back with some friends online uh i remember thinking at the time it was like oh this, this isn't great but it's all right like people are too hard on it probably and mm-hmm. i feel like that's still kind of the same i felt like it was kind of like an easy watch i admittedly i cheated and sped up a bit because i didn't want to spend an hour and 40 minutes watching it but you know mm-hmm. uh it's that long yes damn um, I, I i've seen this movie a long time ago when i was very young i do not remember it well uh, I feel like I was doing fine just watching along, but then, like, I, I, I stopped to go, like, do some errands, uh, and I came back, and then I found it harder to get back into it where I was, so uh, I don't know how much me leaving her was part of my be thrown off, or if it's just like, actually, maybe this last part isn't as great, but, uh, it does just feel like, like, it's not great, I don't, I can't say it's a good movie, but I don't think it's, like, a dumpster fire like people seem to mm-hmm. like go oh yeah it's a disaster one of the worst things that could have happened no wonder nintendo stopped making movies uh it just feels like uh this is like a mediocre kids movie from the 90s that they made uh and it's like from like the 90s and also live action so they don't have the confidence to actually portray the mario world that mm-hmm. admittedly wasn't necessarily as fleshed out but also it's 93 so like mario world is out so they have the material they could rely on for the canon stuff but instead they have like weird interpretations and it's some of the interpretations are interesting but it's also like uh i don't know it's bizarre like luigi is the protagonist basically uh okay the princess as is god Luigi. intended year of luigi never ended baby it's <laughs> uh, yeah like luigi is like baby faced and like like the age gap between them is bigger for Mario and Luigi. Like, Luigi Mario's his big older brother, basically like his dad in a way. Like he raised him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daisy. This makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just uh, Daisy is like the princess in this one, and she's from. Uh, she's originally from the other parallel world where apparently. Oh, by the way, uh, both these movies are isekai movies. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, except uh, the 2023 one is a modern isekai, which means uh, it runs on yeah, I knew... logic. Yeah, I knew I knew about that bit. 
I didn't know about the original one. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and the premise of the original one is that uh, the meteor that killed the dinosaurs created a parallel universe where the dinosaurs didn't die, but they became like Ooh. humans. What? <laughs> and, and like Bowser is like, uh, he's played by like Dennis Hopper. He is like, he, he, I like mm-hmm. his role in this one, but he's just like, uh, I gotta merge the timeline. I gotta merge the worlds, and then I can take over. Oh my the, fucking god! The. <laughs> green earth with my dinosaur army i need to rewatch this i do not remember uh, this at all there's all this thing about like de-evolution and de-evolution rays uh, he's got a fucking he's a jrpg villain what the uh, fuck is going on uh, there's like musher the the daisy's daisy's uh dad is the true king of the mushroom kingdom who got defunct he got de-evolved into a fungus uh yo uh it's the the setting is like bizarre because like oh this is like the mushroom kingdom but it looks like look fucking looks like a demolition man or like a blade runner setting <laughs> right just yes like, i've seen i've seen the images on twitter yeah uh i think they made uh the like the the, the fish from <laughs> mario the big fish from super mario bros 3 uh her character is like a big woman who has like these jump boots and that's how they do the jumping or something <laughs> Oh, nice. Uh, the plot of the movie is kicked off by, like, because, like, in New York in the 90s, uh, the mayor is, like, a mafia guy who's trying to excavate for something, and they find dinosaur bones, and it opens, and also unleashes the portal to the dinosaur world. <laughs> it's, oh, it's my so, God. It is uh, bizarre. Uh, this is... Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is... It's not great, but it's not terrible. But I also feel like... Uh, the only reason anyone watches it is the Mario thing. Like, you, I feel like the Mario the Mario name is the reason why people are so hard on it, but also it's the only reason anyone watches it, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for the new Mario movie, uh, that's... So I went into it thinking, oh, it's an Illumination movie. It probably won't be that great, but I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh... Okay. I don't know where to begin. <laughs> so it's just like it's just like a yeah. it's just like a really solid like kids movie, and like it is. It's kind of interesting that they like have like the Mario and Luigi, our brothers from Brooklyn, storyline again. Um, mm-hmm. doing the plumbing business, end up in the Mushroom Kingdom uh, is interesting. Like, it the, both they kind of like have the opposite thing going on, where like the the live action movie is like relying on scraps of canon from the games to build a world uh-huh uh and when meanwhile this one has like the benefit of 35 years of mario existing and like we're putting every reference in this movie <coughs> uh sometimes it feels like it's they're trying to do too much with the way it's like hey uh we're gonna go the mushroom kingdom oh hey there's peach's castle oh wait we're going to see donkey kong oh wait uh we're doing a mario kart segment and it's like damn okay <laughs> doing so much here um uh, did chris pratt do his normal voice he's he's actually okay in this uh oh he, fuck yeah he, damn he, that's he, not what i wanted to do he's actually you know doing okay not not a good person still but you know uh yeah as mario pretty decent uh charlie day as luigi is great actually i i like most of the characters i like the characters in general i think they captured them really well um Peach in this is just a badass. Uh, in a way, I wish she was in more of the games. Like she's cool. Uh, and not they, the... they did girl boss Peach. Well, I heard someone describe her as a Final Fantasy dragoon. Is that accurate? Uh, I think that's overselling it. There's a scene where she has a spear, and that's it. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, and and, and they, they make her cool in like a way that isn't like, hey, uh, I'm cool and a girl, uh, which is like you know easy to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she just is competent and good. Uh, kind of has the reverse backstory of Daisy from the original live action movie, where Daisy is like from the other world and brought into the human world, and the reverse is uh, Peach is like a human from the other from our earth that just stumbles into the mushroom kingdom and gets raised by the toads um, oh my god she's fucking paul from june <laughs> <laughs> oh, i can't wait for super mario brothers messiah uh it's it's funny uh because like there's a scene in the original live action movie where like dennis hopper bowser is like bathing in mud and it reminded me of the scene in the tw- 2022 <laughs> dune movie with Dark oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the only group that would make these comparisons like i need to yeah. uh, uh, just, uh <laughs> it is weird how fear is the mind killer beach <laughs> yes um Put your hand in the warp pipe. <laughs> Mario oh, in the man. cat suit and is like, oh, the garbage bar only kills animals. <laughs> yes. Um. Um. So, um. <clears throat> yeah, uh, it's weird. There are some things that are weird. Uh, just the way the movie, some decisions the movie is made. Um, Luigi spends most of the movie captured by Bowser, which means... His only fight scene is in the last fight scene at the end where he teams up with Mario, which feels weird. It's a cool fight scene. They do a double rider kick, uh, but it is... <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, uh, also, the way the movie's set, like, Bowser mostly hears about Mario through spies uh, and, like, from Luigi. Uh, and so they don't really meet until, like, the end of the movie. And, but, like, because bowser is as he should be uh as he is in Mar- paper mario 2 he's like an asshole but also like really insecure and pathetic uh he's just like oh, a human that is with peach uh damn he must be cucking me i must kill him <laughs> and so he just has this okay. growing hatred of mario throughout the movie and it's just like you guys just met 20 minutes ago technically you only heard about him through like the grapevine technically um they don't spend a lot of time in the Mushroom Kingdom, actually. Uh, there's a significant portion of the movie where they're just in the Donkey Kong world, so it almost feels like half of the Donkey Kong movie, and that Donkey Kong plays the protagonist instead of Luigi, which feels weird for a Mario movie. I that, that is a strange choice. Uh, but also, uh, I uh, you may not know this about me, but I really fucking love Donkey Kong Country, so I was popping off for the entire scene. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and I love uh, Donkey Kong's portrayal here. He's just really good. And perfect. Is uh, there just, a reference to my boy Lanky or Chunky? Uh, no, but they do. Well, hey, I think I think Chunky is in the audience with Diddy and Dixie uh, for like a shot. I respect that. Um, they do just sample the DK rap. Uh, Let's go. Unfortunately, oh. unfortunately, unfortunately uh, they just put it in the credits as from DK sixty four, which is kind of fucked up. They didn't like credit grant kirkhope or chris sutherland or literally anyone who worked on the actual original song they're sampling uh yeah that's fine. big real credit to the artist energy uh and i know grant kirkhope has made a big fuss of that on twitter as he should but you know yeah no that's fucked up which mm-hmm. is double fucked up because they do like credit koji kondo and for stuff um but it's it just funny just seeing like fun just seeing the donkey kong world and just being like oh yeah they this is where also where the kart races are fun which is interesting world building uh just um yeah 
Donkey Kong and Mario ending up in like a ideal relationship where they are allies but also kind of hate each other <laughs> because of their initial interaction oh my g- wait hang on is is mario and donkey kong goku and vegeta what's going on here <laughs> yeah I mean, it, they're not following like the canon of the games where like you know mario and donkey kong were like enemies uh okay and like the original donkey kong is cranky kong and then the i guess the modern donkey kong's a successor who may or may not be donkey kong jr or whatever they're not dealing with that stuff i'm gonna be honest i don't know shit about i don't know anywhere near enough about nintendo to have known that the original donkey kong is not donkey kong <laughs> yeah cranky kong is the is the donkey kong from the og arcade game yeah uh, uh, helpfully okay. demonstrated in the opening cinematic to donkey kong uh country well cranky is just like playing the dk theme on like the girders and the modern donkey kong just drops down and starts rapping uh, this okay. opens up many questions about Mario's aging process, but don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter for this movie, because in this movie, uh, Cranky Kong's just here, uh, and, like, the modern Donkey Kong is just, like, they meet for the first time, they become rivals. Uh, they're teaming up, and like, there's a part where, like, Mario, like, their car- they have their like, carts lined up, and DK just, like, turns to Mario and goes, I hate you. <laughs> and they just leave, just drive off. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of free I'm kind of free of Nintendo. I do, I I think the very first Mario and maybe like the only Mario game I ever played was Mario Kart DS. Um, that's fair. I think I'm I think I, I I'm like reverse uh Nintendo fanboy. Yeah, <laughs> I was just fair. like no, I just no, never touched that. I mean, to be fair, like Nintendo was never that big in the UK, so. Uh, I I guess that's that might be what it is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think of like what else. Um, Jack Black's performance as Bowser is really good. Uh, really inspired to have uh use his musical talents to have Bowser sing like a solo love battle ballad to himself with bisexual lighting. Um, <laughs> nice. It's, it's it's really good. Uh, yeah. The 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 last. 20 minutes of the movie feels weird because it suddenly just becomes uh, episode uh, 32 of Dunbine. Uh, uh, <laughs> what? Okay. He's <laughs> like, oh yeah, we gotta, gotta have the final battle oh, in yeah. New York for yeah, some yeah, reason. Yeah. Uh, mm. uh, it feels a bit forced. <clears throat> yeah. like that's how you close out the movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, there's the, um... there's some weird like weird stuff with pacing and stuff like that. I feel like for the most part though, it's a pretty enjoyable ride. It's a good kids movie. Some of the jokes mm-hmm. don't land, but most of them landed better than expected weird choice of some licensed music but that goes for both movies um okay very weird just like I... watching the 93 movie and just being like well for some reason they're insisting on playing walk the dinosaur i know why they're doing it but <laughs> um, i um yeah i my i was told uh uh that m- my sister and uh her kid had gone to see the mario movie um and uh within 30 seconds i got a message from uh my sister's boyfriend saying um hey can uh, can we have our switch back that you have borrowed yeah uh, for ages because uh, <laughs> we've, uh my and i was like i was guessing i was like okay is this a mario thing i assume this is a mario thing yeah it's really uh, so, uh, kind of fucked up unfortunately before the movie started, they showed a uh, an advertisement for the Switch that was like, "Here are all the Mario games you can get on the." Switch. Oh, that's so. That's what happened. <laughs> Fucked up. 
Uh, Fuck, because of that, I do, I, I'm, I'm lacking dungeon encounters right now. It's exactly like <laughs> no. when, I, when you watch like Toku shows and then they put the advertisements for the toys for the Precure in the advertisement slot. Oh, for the yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or like sometimes when you go to see Shin Ultraman and they're like, hey, what, uh, what, what fucking, what other Ultraman can Ultraman Gaia summon? I think I don't even remember what that question oh, they, was they, anymore. They, they hit you with the fucking quiz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I still wish I got that quiz. I could have crushed it. You um, probably could. I, I, I'm pretty sure I got zero right. <laughs> don't worry. In nice. ten years, you get them all right. True. I, I'll, I'll go back in time, command and conquer style, <laughs> and do the quiz. <laughs> I, uh, I I do want to see that Mario movie at some point. I um I I probably won't see it in theaters. I think at some yeah. point I want to see that with uh, whenever I'm visiting my nephew or something. We'll yeah, probably watch it. You know, it's, yeah, it's definitely pretty good. I think I it's definitely yeah. It's obviously better as a Mario movie than the original. Uh, I I feel like it's also it's also better as a Mario movie than like the Sonic movies are necessarily as Sonic movies. And I like those movies, but also I think they. Probably made because they're live action. They do fall into a similar trap as the '93 movie, but less so. Where it's like, we can't just use the setting of the game, so we have to have pair up Sonic with like a human guy, mm-hmm. and like that isn't so bad. Kind of feel. I feel like the first movie doesn't make it as bad. Like it works, but does feel a bit more like in the second movie they're like trying to go beyond that, but also like, well, these characters are from the first movie, so we still have to force that in in a way that doesn't feel like it gels with. <laughs> what a sonic movie should be mm-hmm. uh but yeah this one is just like yeah it's a it's a fucking mario movie that's a mario movie uh also just inside between this and like playing paper mario right now it is interesting existing a space where uh mario has uh, a settings and uh characters with writing uh <laughs> mel has entered her nintendo youtuber era <laughs> uh I can't, Damn. I can't i can't do this I can't. I've, I've seen, uh, you I've just seen. you just have to stay off YouTube. That's you'll you'll be fine. I'm gonna start talking about how uh, turn base is bad. Actually, there you go. They don't call it turn cringe. <laughs> is that a thing people do? No. Uh, no. Um. Yeah. They call it turn based for a reason. Um, true. Yeah. Uh, uh, so too long didn't read. Uh, this is exactly like the experience of uh, watching uh, Lynch versus Villeneuve's did Dune. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, exactly the I same. I actually think this. I've been making sure. Um, but speaking of Dune, uh, another thing I did this week is I tackled an audiobook project that I wanted to get to. What is this? Uh, so it is. So I've been introduced to the author last year on some podcasts, and this year even he came up in my coursework, my coursework this semester. And so I was like, okay, maybe I should check out this author. And I'm like, last last like the couple of weeks ago, I almost like put put the bullet on listening to this audiobook, but then I did something else instead. But um, due to uh stuff that happened this week, I decided, okay, you know, I'm gonna. But I'm going to do it. I should listen to this book and give it listen to what happens in it. Uh, anyway, uh, the book is called um, Orientalism by Edward Said. 
God damn. Okay. <laughs> That's a big one. Uh, uh, we have jumped from Mario to... <laughs> Uh, as you can expect, academic book. So I don't know how much I can talk about it on this fucking podcast. But uh, please do because I've actually been meaning to read this for a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely heard about this book in the context of both like political, like leftist podcasts I listen to, and also like my coursework on like Middle Eastern politics and stuff. And I was like, okay, I should check this guy out. Uh, and just finding out in the courses of like going through this book's like oh this is apparently one of the most uh, important books of the last century in the humanities uh makes sense literally invented the term orientalism really um it's basically it's basically about like so like it's about orientalism as in like an institution uh with various meetings where you have like the academic study of orientalism where it's like people who do like area studies of the east uh, specifically in the context of like, the Westerners who do that uh, historically. And also Orientalism as like the cultural perception of the othering of the East and just the sort of domination of the West, the East by the West uh, and how these are all like, these are different definitions, but they're all like interconnected and self-reinforcing uh, where like the study of the East by Westerners is used in a way they're like, to dominate and control the east uh and like the focus of it is primarily on the middle east and the islamic world because like this is the most proximate region to europe it's sort of where the or the origin point of orientalism and like the well the west self-definition of the west and how the east is not the west begins and then areas beyond that like east asia and south asia or like india and china and japan are more like extensions of orientalism that take different forms as opposed to like the islamic world which has like been more proximate and more of a quote quote unquote threat to christendom kind of thing uh mm-hmm. it's sort of like hey how, how is like people going to like egypt and studying like oh this exotic place all this uh ancient civilization that is now uh obviously less superior to us europeans uh and also just sort of like reinforce like tropes that go on where like the scholarship says this the reality of the region doesn't actually match up with it but i still trust the scholarship um the sort of like transition from like french and europe french and british imperialism to like american imperialism the ways that like cultural exports because of western hegemony can like be consumed in the east and how that sort of like the east orientalizes itself by like conforming to these stereotypes that aren't necessarily true but also how like it's still believed and it's sort of like a entrenched into academia and how the study of these regions in academia is i feel like i'm getting all of it it's a fucking dense academic book going right yeah big big swings and big ideas uh just like but also it's just like how academia and cultural knowledge press media and like the engines of empire all interact with each other uh in like the othering and subservience of like other parts of the world basically uh in the different forms that takes uh, different examples of that like you know like oh man the 
the exotic dancers of the Orient or whatever, or like, oh, Islam is hegemonic in the region and this is why Arab people are like this, etc. Takes mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, the one I remember learning about from a professor, and actually may have been the first time I came across like this book being referenced, was like, there's this like, this like, idea in western art that you see time and time again of like the middle eastern harem and how that vastly differs and it was made like eroticized to a like really disgusting degree by western like artists and stuff like that versus what it actually was and the societal function it served uh for middle eastern societies is like there's a massive gap and that sort of thing yeah yeah it's it's just interesting going through and like seeing like oh yeah it technically starts with like the greco-persian wars but like the crusades are a big part of it but like really it's sort of like the real like modern era of it starts with like the colonization of like the middle east starting with like napoleon's expedition to egypt uh and then slowly just like british and french colonization of north africa and later the ottoman territories that kind of stuff um and it's still like prevalent in like how western discourse often talks about like the middle east and like really like other parts of the east too like that the focus is also part of it's definitely like Said is was like palestinian and so his like experience is like as someone who is like arab ethnicity just like oh yeah there's like where i have the cultural connection to and like less as much for like india Mm -hmm. or china but also you see those trends and like whoa isn't japanese media so crazy or whoa uh everything china does is duplicitous and evil etc yeah also just like interesting going through it because like i'm half iranian but also culturally whitewashed as fuck so it's just interesting like going through with that my own headspace about identity and stuff so Mm -hmm. yeah well, um, now that we've talked about Orientalism, um, <laughs> we can we can we can move on <laughs> to Ultraman, which is free of Orientalism. Of course, Red, uh, you're you're to blame for this. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I invoked this. I said that what we were. I said a few weeks ago. I said what we're missing is some racist ancient alien shit. And here we go. I was right. We were missing some racist ancient alien shit. So let's talk about episode seven of Ultraman, the Blue Stone of Baradi. Um, a mysterious Bermuda Triangle-type location in the middle of a desert is causing the European branches of the SSSP some problems. Time to go to the real experts. Some guy named Jim. Where's Happy? Where is Happy? <laughs> Some guy named Jim is sent to advise the Japanese branch on the investigation. Uh, Muramatsu says they're going in, so everyone except Fuji should suit up. She has to stay home and look after the base and also the child. Uh, in her place, <sighs> they will take. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're still like this. In her place, they will take the intrepid Jim. Um... <laughs> The squad flies towards the location and sees a tornado pillar of sand that begins to pull them in. 
Um, Muramatsu gives Hayata the order, allow the jets to be pulled in and fly up and over the tornado. This works, but they crash anyway, and Ide is injured once again. Uh, their radio isn't working, uh, they can't contact the base, and the squad determines to investigate by foot, leaving the injured Ide in the jet. Uh, Jim is still here, by the way. Uh, the diminished squad come across a legendary town uh, called Baradi, inhabited only by the elderly, as well as one, like, Cleopatra type of queen. Um, someone notes that around here is a mountain where Noah did something, like, from the Bible. Uh, You're also getting the part where, like, the monster shows up. Yeah, so, there's a monster. There's a monster called Antla. Um, so... <laughs> This Queen Cleopatra-looking woman explains that this place used to be a thriving stop on the Silk Road, but for long years has been isolated because of a monster named Antla. Uh, the young flee, and only the older left. Uh, I am going to keep it real with you, 57th Prime Minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe, etc., um, etc. Et uh, so... <laughs> The queen shows the squad a statue of the town's god, the god of Noah, without an H this time. Uh, and the statue is totally Ultraman, holding a blue stone. Uh, the squad discusses this. Uh, Antlar attacks, and Hayata saves an old lady, uh, having safely tucked her away behind a corner. And, you know, the squad having shot uh, the monster a bunch uh, impotently. Um... Hayata turns into Ultraman, uh, and he fights Anla. He's having a hard time, though, and the color timer is running out. The queen fetches the blue stone and asks Muramatsu to throw it at Ultraman. <laughs> um, is it at Ultraman or is it at Anla? Is it to at power I assumed it was. I assumed it was at Antlar to, like, okay. blow it up. Okay, so it's... Uh, I was not super paying attention to the fight. Um, but yes... Asks Muramatsu to throw it at Anlar. Uh, he does, and it explodes and gives Ultraman time for one last push. Ultraman destroys Antlar, and the day is saved. The Queen is sad that the Blue Stone is gone, but the squad insists that it's better to use your items than to have a cluttered inventory. Um, Hayata says that now the monster is dead, uh, the town will surely prosper again. And the Queen is like, are you fucking stupid? And the squad... <laughs> Remembering that the Silk Road isn't really relevant anymore, and nobody even knows this town exists, leave in a somber mood. Jim survived. The end. Don't worry, the Silk Road is relevant in 2023. Uh, I had the the worst goddamn thought when I finished this episode of the one-two punch of, well, at least I think they were kind of nicer about the local people's belief in this one, followed by the immediate realization, it's because the local people's god was ultra bad. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. If it was an octopus. It's so funny. It's so, if it was just a random octopus, it would get killed. It would get murdered. But because it's Ultraman. It is, um... uh, it is extremely funny to me that they... The monster gets beaten because a guy throws a rock and it explodes. It's so funny. <laughs> the The rock explodes. Why does the rock explode? What I is it? I don't know, but it was really, it was really funny. Uh, it's solid space. It's also really maybe. funny the way the woman was just like, I'm just going to run an Andlar. And then it's just, <laughs> it's just yes. like, I see an opportunity to get out of here to transform. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hayata, uh, maybe the best part of this show is Hayata finding increasingly 
ridiculous ways uh, to transform out of sight and return <laughs> I feel like this is uh, when to his, the gang. He has actual yes. characterization. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the... So, 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 there's some Noah's Ark shit happening. Um, first of all, let's, let's, let's walk through this. Um, Noah's Ark, something to do with Ultraman, and therefore they worship Ultraman. They call it Noah. Um, is Ultraman involved with Noah's Ark? Is that what's happening here? Someone from that nebula was involved with Noah's Ark? Saved humanity from the flood, maybe? Maybe? It said there was another Ultraman who came in the past. It was yeah. Ultraman's ancestor. Yeah, Ultraman's yeah. ancestor. Yes, <laughs> this was Ultraman's ancestor. <laughs> Did this. Oh, man. Um, I don't know that this episode is, uh, uh, great. Uh, it was... It's pretty bad. <laughs> it was, it was kind of weird. Like, I... There are things I want to like, like, I enjoy the new locale setting. Like, it's fresh, mm-hmm. it's different, I like the set. Um, it's just like, oh, hey, we're traveling to another part of the world, we're getting to do different stuff. It's just kind of, like, fresh. Uh, and then, uh, they do that. <laughs> um yeah feel- I, I was having the same thing and then uh japanese actors dressed as like yeah stereotypical middle eastern garb showed <laughs> yeah, up and i was, and like, I was dying i was like i didn't know about this like maybe it would have been probably better to just like get actual actors from the uh, middle east the i mean got, what should have been better guy. is you just don't i mean <laughs> they did get they did get a white guy <laughs> did an episode set uh, it was just like yeah we got a special hire a white guy for this thinking about the orientalist dynamics where the japan is orientalized but also as the honorary mm-hmm. western and maybe sometimes honorary white country it's it's orientalizes the middle east mm-hmm. it's um yeah uh japan gets complicated um but yeah the um I most the thing is there's a lot of nothing in this episode as well. There's a there's a yeah. it's it's not even like really like a standout one. It's not even crazy like the Sudar episode is. Like that's some fucking that's like what unhinged. Um this is just like regular levels of uh eh, this is this is rough. Also I admit when Antler first showed up I thought it was going to be a worm and then I was like is the timeline match up for for the ride to have read Root and Root 2? Oh, I also thought the same thing, Mel. Uh, <laughs> I was a little disappointed when it was not, in fact, a worm. I, I checked the date, too, and it's like... The Dune book gets published in the US the year before Ultra Q and Ultra Brain is out. Uh, and that does make me wonder like how fluent Superaya is in English. As a guy who, like, mm-hmm. you know, visited American and, like, Gary Anderson's set. And mm-hmm. also just seems like he's a, he's a sci-fi enthusiast. He'd be in tune with American sci-fi in some form, probably. Right. And probably more so if he knew English. So it could have happened, but I also don't know if it did happen. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I, I am way more open. I, I feel like the more and more I look into stuff like that, like... A lot of people involved in the creative industry, like, 
around this time, I want to say, when, like, things were just, like, you know, it, it took a little bit more time for things to get translated and published in, like, different languages and stuff like that. Like, a lot of, a lot of creators did import like american media and stuff yeah. uh specifically because they heard like oh this is popping off like i i need to know what this is about um i think about this all the time with the the guy who made the saga games uh regularly imported like japanese or uh, american like tabletop rpgs and stuff and like a lot of that stuff ended up in like square enix mm -hmm. games and yeah. stuff like that uh tomino with transformers influencing zeta gundam was one that came out recently which is wild um that stuff definitely did happen and that and Transformers starting with uh, the the Macross guy who is in turn <laughs> ripping off Tomino all the time. <laughs> yes! Uh, Just circle. like, yes. Uh, I will say uh, that I did see that like the Dune was initially published in the 70s in Japanese, but like th that doesn't mean Super I couldn't have imported in understood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um... I have uh, some shocking quote-unquote information for all of you. Oh, God. Uh, this uh, episode was directed by Samaji Nonagase, who we talked about last time, uh, who oh, also no. also uh, brought us Fury of the South Sea. Um, oh, fuck. My man, you, you can't keep going back to this well. Uh, I decided to check because last time we, we did talk about, well, hey, Maybe he was he just directed and got a bad script. Uh, so both of these episodes also shared a writer in uh, Tetsuo Kinjo. He he wrote both of them, uh, but unfortunately uh, <laughs> we can't cut our uh, man uh, Nanagase slack this time because he also uh, has a writing credit on this episode um, under his pen name uh, Ryu Minamikawa. So this is well, just a thing oh that well. this writer-director duo like to do, I guess. Okay. <laughs> oh, well. So just, um, uh, what episode, other episodes did he do again? Uh, just to uh, like, he, like, he did Balunga and, like, all the Pegula ones. Yes, he he did, uh, um, oh god, he did uh, Pegula's here, Balunga, Tokyo Ice Age, Garamond Strikes Back, uh, Ragon, uh, and also the last Ragon episode we saw. Okay. Um, uh, like, couple couple of misses for this guy in Ultraman so far. Yes, I believe he also did episode 9 of Ultraman, I want to say, too, for uh, this set. Uh, let me scroll down to what episode 9 is. Oh, that one's alright. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Um... Cool. Well, unless we have anything else to say about episode seven, which is kind of just like, uh, uh. Is this the worst one we've seen? I think it's the worst one we've seen. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's not even like, yeah, it's it's not even one where we can like really talk about it in a way that's kind of, that's fun and interesting. It's just kind of like, uh, well, that's, that sucks. Uh, yeah, it, it's it, just it, boring and sucks. But if nothing else, it did, it is the three reason I read. <laughs> I don't read to Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, episode eight is called. I have it right. I have. I don't think this is the title in the version that we have to watch. But the, the title I got off the internet was the Lawless Monster Zone. I think it's something to do with anarchy. The Monster Anarchy Zone. <laughs> the Monster Anarchy Zone. <laughs> Excellent. God damn. Volcanic activity has chased the inhabitants off an island. Two years later, four researchers return to their station on the island, and contact with them is lost. The SSSP is sent to investigate, but how bad can the island really be? Cut to the island where 
Pegula is in a fight with the love ch- the love child of Godzilla and the Michelin Man. Is that actually Pegula? Um, <laughs> oh, someone else. Is it not Pegula? I, I I could not tell if it was. I I I couldn't tell if it was Pegula or not. It's got it's got it's the right. tusks and the wings. I mean, it, it, I'm it, sure it's, it's, it's absolutely the same suit, but I don't know if it's modified oh, to be right, a different because, monster. Because Gar- yeah, spoilers. Garamon is in this episode, and he's not Garamon anymore. He's Pigmon. <laughs> The Silent Fingers uh, family tree has been updated. Oh, no. I hate this. Silent Fingers has a grandchild. Again. It happened again. It's going to happen every every time. Um, so, it might not be Pegula. So, I very briefly scanned... Actually, yes, okay, I suspect I... it's not Pegula, because I briefly scanned a list of names of monsters that are in this episode, and there were loads of them, and I was yeah, like, so okay, I, I'm not touching I that. I can confirm the name of this monster. What is it? It's Chandler. <laughs> What? No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's you. Fuck off. <laughs> what do you mean it's Chandler? Where does friends fit into the Ultraman universe? Oh my fucking god. Oh man. Um. So. <laughs> so, am I right in thinking that the Godzilla Michelin Man guy is Red King? Yes, that is Red King. Okay. Red, King Red King is a classic. His name's Red King. <laughs> His name's Red he's, King. He's not red. He's not red. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um okay, so Red King uh this this fight is bloody. Like Chandler <laughs> is biting chunks out of Red King and Red King tears Chandler's wing off. It's so sick. This um, is so cool. Yes. Yeah. Uh Chandler flees in defeat. And the fight disturbs the slumber of a rock monster that I did not get the uh, name of. Oh, it's Magular. Magular. There we go. Um, the SSSP avoids uh, the victorious Red King and lands. It should be noted that Ide polishes uh, Arashi's spider shot on the way. I'm not saying anything. Uh, they find uh, the researcher's station and the place is wrecked. Uh, the squad decides to split up. A-team is Muramatsu and Hayata. B-team is Ide, Arashi and Fuji. Uh, B team. Yes, they split up and look for clues. B team finds a bloody shirt and gets tangled up in some aggressive plants. Uh, Arashi burns the plants with his spider shot and spots a funny-looking, maybe even familiar-looking guy running off into the woods. It's a person-sized Garamon uh, that Arashi will later name Pigmon. Just off the cuff, just like, just goes, <laughs> ah, we must avenge Pigmon. <laughs> Yes. Uh, spoilers, spoilers, Pigmon fucking dies. Uh, Arashi <laughs> persuades Ide and Fuji to chase after it, and to make it easier, uh, Ide shoots it with a balloon bomb. Uh, this attaches a pink balloon to Pigmon, and the B-team are able to follow it to the one remaining living researcher, oh, whose name I don't remember. Uh, according to the one remaining living researcher, um... They were almost immediately attacked once they arrived on the island. They hadn't even set up their radio. It's like a helicopter drops them off. They wave bye-bye. And then the moment they're out of view, they get set upon. Um, Pigmon saved him and has been bringing him food. Good Pigmon. Friend Pigmon. Anyway, uh, Red King attacks and Pigmon fucking dies. Uh, (laughs) It tries to scare off a kaiju and gets crushed to death by rocks. Uh, uh, many, many, many rocks. <laughs> the amount of rocks cannot be overstated. It's funny how uh, unceremonious it is in a way, but also it does take like five minutes for it to die. It, 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 yes. I started to me. So I watched this one with friends. We started to laugh because they just keep cutting back to Pigman getting hit by rocks. 
man. Um, the pink balloon floats off its body, uh, and Ide and Arashi decide it's time to use the balloon bomb, and they shoot the balloon as it floats up into Red King's vision. Uh, the explosion stuns Red King, and the B-team decides it's time to call the captain and sends up an SOS. What's the captain been up to? Well, him and Hayata have been fighting uh, Magula. Uh, they killed it with napalm grenades. Uh, but not before it swiped Hayata with its tail. Uh, Muramatsu has been looking after Hayata, but when the SOS goes up, Hayata's like, uh, yeah, you go on ahead. I'll wait here. <laughs> and the moment the captain is out of view, Hayata reaches for the beta capsule, realizes he dropped it all the way down the fucking cliff, and has to climb down injured and grab it. Um, only then can he transform into Ultraman. Uh, Ultraman fights Red King and kills it dead, uh, the squad and the researcher make three graves for the dead the dead guys and remark that although this island is a south sea paradise once again uh we must always remember that nature will not always be so beautiful as the sunset uh the end uh they say while killing nature yes and not even respecting pigmon <laughs> yes they don't, even, they don't even make a grave for pigmon i this is the first episode of an ultra thing for this podcast, I watched a second time to fe- to see how I felt about. Um, because I feel like on paper, I should like this one a lot. And for whatever reason, it's just like, like, it's not bad, I don't think, but it's it doesn't click with me. It's, like, how did y'all feel about it? I feel mostly positive about it. I feel like there's things about it make it weird and not ideal, but also there's like, uh, the monster island wherever all the monsters are fighting is cool. Uh, I like Pigmon. Uh, I like the team splitting up, and theoretically, Fuji almost does something, and she has a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that. Uh, she still gets relegated to, hey, look after this guy, but um, progress. <laughs> she also gets, yeah. She um, gets to go on a thing and go out of the ship and, and, and like, her walk around for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's cool. I did. I did um, appreciate that. I also mostly like this episode uh, just because I think, first of all, it opens on the monsters mauling each other, like, absolutely brutalizing each other. And I was like, hell yeah. Put, yeah, put this on TV for the six-year-olds. Fantastic. That was <laughs> all that, about it. I loved that part of the episode. And then everything after that, for some reason, like, I don't know what it is because... Re- so I-, I watched it the second time alone because I was like, maybe, you know, sometimes when you're watching things with a group, you're not fully paying attention. You're talking back and forth, you know, like that sort of thing or whatever. So I was like, OK, maybe I'll like this a little bit more, just like sitting down alone and like really focusing in on this. And I don't know what it is, but something about the scene with the vines, I'm like, I don't know why I'm not like I, I should like this, like the-, the whole like flamethrower thing, burning the vines and all that. I'm like, I should find this cool, but for whatever reason, something about the execution just fell kind of flat for me. And similarly, I feel like I should be all about Pigmon as like a little helper dude and like showing like, oh, there- there's like a kindness to some of these monsters. But some, I-, I don't know if it's just because we're with Pigmon for so little in the actual episode, but Pigmon I don't really- is there f- for like- Pigmon is there for like 30 seconds and then he starts dying and that takes three minutes. Um, yeah. And I just, I don't, I didn't feel anything from that. And then the fight, like, the the fight scenes that happen afterward are were just kind of, like, serviceable to me in a way that just made me miss the, the violence of the first fight scene. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, it, it was really weird because the second time, like, the, the credits hit on this and I'm just like, 
damn, I don't know what it is, but, like, I feel like I should like this, but just there's something in me that's just like, huh, that, I'm just very neutral. <laughs> it's very weird. Uh, yeah, I get that. Um, I think this is the first episode where I've been like, uh, hell yeah, the, the SSSP are, are a squad. Uh, they, they get shit done. Uh, like, every other time I've been like, the SSSP is a joke. Ultraman does everything. Yeah, this, this is <laughs> That is true. Well, hey, hey, uh, to be fair, they did throw that rock last time. They did. They, they did throw. Ramasi <laughs> did throw that rock last time, uh, but yeah, Arashi. Um, the spider shot is useful for once. They don't call it the spider shot. They call it the spider gun. This episode, I'm. I was very. Hmm. Hmm? I was very. I was like, okay, why did you? Had you not settled on the name yet? Let's go. Was this episode one? No, it can't have been. Was this episode two? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like. I don't know. Um, but it's um, yeah. It was a. Uh, it was a little. I was, I liked, they were kind of showing off gadgets a bit, um, like the napalm bomb, the balloon bomb, and the spider shot um, all get their moment in the spotlight, and I was like, okay, I, we, we, we're getting SSSP stuff, we're getting, we, we got the squad, it's a shame that Fuji doesn't get any of these cool shit. <laughs> it's, it's funny to me because I, this is the dumbest comparison in the world, but I feel like Maybe some people out there will kind of get what I'm talking about. It made me... This episode made me think a lot about Monster Hunter's roots roots as kind of like a kaiju thing. Because, like, they're using all these tools and gadgets to, like, kind of wrangle these monsters and track them. And, like, it it, it made me feel like... There's, like, a... Fuji a switch axe. (laughs) Yes! Oh, my God. Hayata Insect Glavark. No. Um, Oh, my fucking God. He would. Yeah, I, uh, I will say. He, oh, absolutely. I think I, I think I brought it off off mic, but there is a Monster Hunter clone uh, that's Ultra series on the DS. Yes, it has yes, Belunga in yes. it. I want to play it so bad. I don't think I'll be allowed to for a long time. You were not. You were banned for yeah. six years or something. Uh, I also want to play the game where you can fight with Kanegan. Uh, that I've seen clips of that. That looks cool as shit. Um, but uh, yeah, like it just made me remember, like, oh yeah, like Monster Hunter has kind of that that history of like coming off of these kaiju things so to just see some people on the ground just having to deal with all these monsters using like tools and ingenuity and like prep work beforehand and all that stuff i'm just mm-hmm. like kind of like oh yeah huh that that is a thing um the um the presence of pigmon means that it's possible that when Kanagon shows up ultraman won't murder <laughs> murder it true uh it's possible i, would... I don't you know now that i'm thinking about it i almost feel like part of my reaction is because Pigmon is here. Because the more that I'm thinking about and talking through the rest of the episode, I feel like the the emotional arc of Pigmon's sacrifice may have distracted me from the rest of what this episode kind of was doing. Oh, yeah, it's fair. It was just it, it was it was just kind of here and then also they didn't mourn him at all. Yeah. Like even even the moment Pigmon died, Ide and Arashi are like, oh the balloon's free. We can use it with the but- this <laughs> But you're right, though. There is a lot of cool teamwork stuff this episode that I think I was just kind of blinded to, in a way, because I was so caught up on, like, oh, we have a friend monster for the first time in the show, basically. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it just kind of goes uncommented on. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say, so, like, Red King and Pigmon are, like, classic guys, so I knew about them, like, beforehand. Uh, which mm-hmm. did mean when we got Garamon and Alt Q, I was very confused. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's so, so funny. funny. That's so funny. 
Wait, do, oh, does this mean Pigmon has more cultural relevance than Garamon? I don't know how I feel about I think that. that. I think I think that is the case. Oh, that's that. My the baby. Perfect, the, the perfect arc on encountering Garamon for the first uh, time, where it's like, rocks up in an episode and is like, what? But what? Uh, I, it, it also is very funny just seeing them use the exact same suit. Uh, I don't really think there's any modifications even. Uh, I need to check. I think like sometimes they differentiate with like the face might be. Uh, actually, no, that's not true. That might be more modern. But I think like Garamon has a mark on the suit that like isn't there on the Pigmon suit, and like I think more modern Pigmon suits go for a cuter face. That okay. makes sense. But, like, I could see that. But, like obviously, this one that. is just the Garamon suit. It it was it threw me for a loop seeing that suit that we're so used to seeing at like a large, massive, like Godzilla esque scale be brought down to just be a little guy. Yeah. <laughs> it was very funny. This, this is also, reverse Peter. Yeah. Also, <laughs> also one person in like the Admiral Mastering Discord did tell us that Pigmon is differentiated in merchandise with the pink balloon. That's true. I remember that. That oh, I love that. I love that so much. Uh, I, um, I just, I just maybe did something that, uh, Mel would disapprove of, but I did discover something cursed. Um, I googled Pigmon, uh, in images. Um, I want you also to do that and see, uh, the anime girl. <laughs> um. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> this is, this is a, a little much. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, Pigmon from Kaiju Girls. Kaiju girls. Yeah. Oh my god. What the god. fuck is Kaiju girls? <gasps> Wait. <laughs> am I am I getting fucked over by not having read the spreadsheet again? Is that is that the thing that's happening? Maybe. Is ca- oh no. Is, I didn't. I also didn't. I also didn't. Here's the thing. The spreadsheet's very long. We it's must be. Long. We should. We should be forgiven when we don't remember something <laughs> off the spreadsheet. Yeah. I mean, I'm not expecting you to look at like anything in the post 2000s on a spreadsheet yet. Are you claiming that this Kaiju Girls is not in the post 2000s? Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> I'm. This is ridiculous looking. Um, okay, fantastic. Um, but yeah, that is. Uh, do we have anything else about episode eight? The uh, the monster anarchy zone. No, uh, I have production history because oh, yeah, yeah, this was made oh, by. Yes. <laughs> uh, this was directed by Hajime Subaraya, uh, Eiji Subaraya's eldest son. <laughs> hey. Um, now of Ultraman, he also directed episode one. Um, and then going back to episode or er, episode uh, Ultra Q, he uh, in that series directed episode one, defeat Gomez. Episode two, Goro and Goro. Episode three, the gift from space. Episode 9, Baron Spider. Uh, for some reason, I stopped listing numbers after this point. Uh, Garadama. <laughs> um, which, hey, I guess that makes sense why Pigmon shows up here. Mm-hmm. Um, the one Eighth Project. And uh, the last episode, Open Up. So you know what? Um, Baron Spider. You know what I'm going to say? Uh, Hajime Saburaya seems like a pretty good director. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm mostly positive on these. Yeah, I think uh, Baron Spider probably the best one for me on that list same um so uh some information about uh hajime subaraya uh obviously eiji subaraya's eldest son so like you know very 
obvious mm-hmm. how he got his start in the industry and all that. Uh, he uh, helped out on both Godzilla and Godzilla Raids again as an assistant special effects cinematographer. Uh, he has a long history with uh, future Ultra programs and Super Eye productions that I do not want to get into because I feel like Mel will do a better job of that at a later date <laughs> when we get to those shows. <laughs> to the, uh, date. But yeah, I imagine he's going to have a big role coming ahead because uh, spoilers for after Ultra 7, A.G. Soraya fucking dies. <laughs> Yeah, that's when I got I got to that part, and I was like, okay, we yeah, Mel Mel will talk about this in greater detail better than I ever could here. So, um, other stuff. Uh, he was baptized at the age of nineteen. Uh, oh, Haj- <laughs> let's go. <laughs> uh, Hajime Subaraya was a strong believer in the idea that directors should also be able to write their own episodes as well. Uh, he pushed many directors working on the series to also write their script, uh, which is why we see so many directors for uh, the first batch of Ultra shows here, uh, both directing but then also writing under a pseudonym. Um, mm-hmm. This was also a way, though, for Subaraya Productions to justify paying them more than what they could receive just from directing alone. Um, at the time, it would have been difficult for someone with like a family to live solely off of the income of being just a episode director for a TV show like this. Uh, so Hajime Subaraya would regularly push his fellow directors, uh, especially if he knew that they had like a partner or if they had like a family of their own. Uh, he he would basically say like, "Hey, just write the write the thing too, or help out on the writing," uh, because it was basically a way for him to justify, or you know, for the company to justify paying them twice for one episode. Oh, that's cool. that's cool. Yeah. Um. Despite this, he didn't actually write any episodes himself, and uh, this wasn't like a hypocritical, uh, like a hypocritical thing. It was just more the fact that he had a large amount of input on the scripts already for each episode. Um, he was not afraid to uh, like basically do a proofread through of someone's script, uh, and even if he liked the writer a lot, uh, he would often send them back with heavy reprimands and edits, uh, even for those he was close friends with. So he was like involved, involved. Yes, he he was. It it sounds like basically he he take he takes a look at for at least the stuff we've been watching so far. Pretty much every script it sounds like went through him okay, so does, in some way or another, and he had input on them. It does sound like mm-hmm. um like when Ag dies and Hajime, I assume I'll I'll see this later, but like I assume when Hajime he does step up. Yeah, when he does step up, I imagine he, it's a guy who's already deeply involved and know what's like going on and has an understanding of what the franchise is at that point so yeah he was here yeah. when it won this is this isn't this isn't um passing the crown off to a to a kid who hasn't been trained to rule <laughs> no uh this is this is when monarchy works <laughs> um we don't i don't have we don't have much experience of that here in britain uh it's like you get like you get like uh a uh, famous king followed by uh failson every time <laughs> uh but yeah uh that's all i had for the production history stuff um i'm sure we'll hear a lot more about this man in the future <laughs> yeah all right well we can get on to let me make sure I got this right. Yeah, episode nine. Uh, Operation. Now, is this Operation Lightning or Operation Electric Stonefire? So lightning Operation. What? I had yeah, I had Lightning Operation. I'm pretty sure. Okay, okay. 
Um, lightning operation. Damn, there a lot of electric storm fire outside my window the last few days. So, it's not electric storm fire. Electric stone fire. Stone fire? What? Fi- what? This is the weirdest Pokemon I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> yeah. I think that breaks the meta, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, a huge typhoon has struck Japan. Fucking scouts, basically, out in the woods have their food supplies blown away. Um, the SSSP are keeping tabs on the situation in case of an emergency. Uh, Hoshino brings the latest news on the typhoon. It has just swept through a town, but now recovery can begin. Uh, the reconstruction of a bridge is being interrupted by underground disturbances, like a sinkhole. Some stuff is happening. Basically, they've woken. They've the typhoon has disturbed something. It's disturbed. Was it Gabara, uh, uh, which is a kaiju with yeah, some like like metal plates protecting its head that can open up like a blooming flower type of thing. Um, very cool. Um, everyone talks about Gabara like they already know what it is. Um, which confused me a little bit. I was like, did I get the wrong episode? What's happening here? <laughs> um, Gabara has a hunger for uranium and a radioactive beam attack. Very bad. Bad. Um, due to the radioactivity, Gabara must be far away from the town before anyone tries to dispose of it. Uh, the SSSP, the squad, deploys flamethrower tanks to drive it off. And this works. And everyone cheers. And then someone's like, yo, is that the direction of the scouts? Um, uh, the alpinists, thank you very much. <laughs> the alpinists. Fuck off. The fucking alpinists. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> the fucking alpinists. <laughs> Do you know where the alps... I don't know, anyway. Um... <laughs> Hayata decides to lure Gabra to somewhere isolated. Um, the squad attaches a uranium capsule to the bottom of a helicopter, and Hayata flies away to where Gabra is. But Hoshino and Fuji have snuck into the back seats on account of the fact no one will let them do anything cool. <laughs> uh, from the helicopter, they spot two kids from the Alpinists who have gone to get supplies. Uh, Hayata has to land and let Fuji and Hoshino go ensure the kids' safety. Uh, taking off again, Hayata lures Gabara to somewhere suitably secluded, and then disaster strikes. The uranium capsule won't detach from the helicopter. Uh, Gabara, in its frenzy for uranium, swipes at the helicopter, and it crashes. Hayata recovers and transforms into Ultraman. He's fine because Ultraman fights. Yes, he survived. He hit a tree on his way down. It's all good. Um Uranium, uh, yeah, Hayata uh, recovers and transforms into Ultraman. Ultraman fights Gabara, uh, tearing off some of the protective plates around Gabara's head, which is very cool. I'm uh, so, between this and the last episode, I am so here for the more visceral violence of Ultraman. <laughs> you're, like, you're like those kids in the Birth of Ultraman episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more violence! We're ba- <laughs> yeah, we're banging for blood. Absolutely. Um, Ultraman wins, uh, Gabara dies. Ultraman flies away. We cut from Ultraman flying away to Hayata walking out of the woods. <laughs> it's so funny. I love this bit so much. <laughs> and he's in, and everyone is so shocked that he's fine. He's like, your helicopter crashed and exploded. And he's like, that's no biggie. He just flexes like, I'm don't good. worry, it's good. It's fine. 
yeah he literally flexes the two like alpinists they go take the supplies back to the where all the, the kids are like out camping and stuff and they, like the two kids that they rescued are like are you sure you're fine and i had to like puffs out his chest like yeah absolutely i'm basically <laughs> immortal <laughs> the end end of the episode um i like this episode i like yeah. uh gabara i don't know Everyone just knows what Gabra is immediately. To be fair, to be fair <laughs> yeah. we should know who Gabra is because they were in Shin Ultraman. Uh, this is true. Um, oh, shit. Uh, but um, I I was like, I was like, how do these people know? What's going on here? Uh, um, I also like this episode a fair bit. If I had one critique, it's that nobody yodels. And I, I feel like you're squandering your alpinist yeah. uh, premise. It is, if, it is uh, fun seeing Fuji and Hoshino sneak on. Though it is weird and be, being like, uh, we sneak on together as a duo because we're always paired up together. And then also we have to go yep. to the rest. <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess <laughs> yep. it's fair that they're doing something as opposed to nothing like the others. But... It's, I, I, the, the best part of this is that Hyatt is like, okay, I'm in the helicopter um i'm doing something very dangerous here everyone's like you could die and i'm like he's like i oh it's such a great risk that i'm taking and in his head he's like i'll just turn into fucking <laughs> yeah. it's fine and then like he looks behind him and and fuji and, and hoshino are there and he's like oh shit in his head oh fuck wait no <laughs> I I, I love bad. the bit where where Hayata suggests the plan and Arashi is like, oh, I, I need to do it. And Hayata like basically is like playground rules. Whoever gets the idea gets to say what happens. Or like so like it's it's so funny. Uh, it is kind of funny. Also, the start of the episode, like Ide is just like, man, this is just a normal natural disaster, not a kaiju based one. We can't do shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that too. Oh man, and like the, there's some like puns. There's some like pun with Arashi's name where they 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 refer to Arashi and uh, something. It's and, like oh uh, man, there's Arashi a big Arashi like, translation. Oh, Arashi means storm. Yes, <laughs> Arashi wakes up like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, the yeah, I I just like I like Gabra. I think Gabra is cool. Um, I think the design of the weird head plate things that open up is fun um i like it i liked it in shin ultraman i like it here i completely forgot about it being in shin ultraman so when the like the head part opened up i like was like oh holy shit um i wasn't expecting there to be like a, a smaller head in there i thought that was just like its face uh oh, and that was like big oh, mouth that was like that was like two weeks ago i said we probably shouldn't spoil shin ultraman <laughs> oh shit yeah, well, stupid. It's true. Well, rip. Uh, you know, it's 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 a pretty it's, good movie. It's the first part of the movie, it's fine. Yeah, yeah you're good. Shows. Yeah, you're fine. Um, we're not you, we're not spoiling the actual stuff. You're good. A um, guy shows up, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I don't have like loads to say about this episode beyond uh, yeah, it was it was fun. Oh, I feel like this is the most we've got of Hayata. This is like the most. This is the the actual Hayata episode for some reason. Yeah, I hope we get more. Yeah, same. He's just not a character. Yeah, I feel like he's yeah. a device. Like, it's it's kind of weird. I feel like everyone is kind of more of a character. Yeah, yeah. like you know we have yeah. Ipe, Ide who's like the Ipe. Uh, we have Arashi who's like the like the gung ho guy. Uh, we have Fuji who's a woman. 
uh yep, we have that's a, a character we have a captain who's misogynist uh and rascal <laughs> child always getting up to trouble yeah like uh hayata is like he's either, the win button <laughs> he's like the yeah he's like the hero who doesn't really have a personality and then like except for the moments where he's like just trolling everyone he's the he's he's the, he's the guy in the voice chat that doesn't have he doesn't actually have a mic uh but he is carrying you through all your games uh so you keep him in the party yeah um but the um the yeah uh everyone else uh kind of carrying the actual rest of the episodes <laughs> uh a Hi- the Hyatt's main bit is to rock up in increasingly ludicrous ways at the end of the episode and be like, yeah, it's just, it's just everything's fine. Uh, it was funny in episode seven. They were like, oh, hey, nice Ultraman's here. No one questioning. <laughs> yeah. Convenience of that. You know, I will say the more I think about it too, I do really appreciate how in episode eight, he's kind of out of commission for a bit and like it gives the others time to shine. Like I, I can imagine that show will probably lean on that with a few other episodes, and uh, I think that's a good way to, like, mm-hmm. add tension where there otherwise would not be any. Because if Ultraman can't even show up in the first place, then, you know, there's trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> t- t- they have to find tension by having, like, the beta capsule in increasingly ludicrous out-of-reach places. Yes. That's, that's how they do it, is the beta capsule is always just a little bit out-of-reach. It will get further and further away. Uh, eventually, it will get launched to the other side of the Earth, and Hayata will have to find his way, like catch a plane to go get the beta capsule and come back. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't have much else about this episode to be honest. Okay. Beyond, nope. I like it. Yeah, uh, just you, a do you have, salad. Do you have any? Was there any? Uh, oh, you said that this episode was directed by. Yes. So. Uh... I decided that uh, in cases where we get a repeat, I think that this is a good way to backfill the Ultra Q crew that did not return for Ultraman, because there's a few of those. Oh, hey. Um, so, yeah, this was also directed by uh, Nonagase. Um, so, we already talked about him enough. Uh, but I thought then I would uh, go back through and talk about uh, Koji Kajita, who uh, directed and wrote episode 4, Mammoth Flower of Ultra Q. Uh, and then uh, quit writing, but then uh, directed episode 8, Terror of the Sweet Honey. Episode 22, Metamorphosis. Episode 25, The Devil Child. And episode 27, The Disappearance of Flight 206. <laughs> when I learned that the Terror of the Sweet Honey guy and the Disappearance of Flight 206 guy were the same guy, I went, yeah, that, that tracks. He just, likes, he just likes the big animals. <laughs> yeah. Um... There's not a lot about this guy, admittedly. Uh, the the two big things I could find were that he belonged to the Imperial Japanese Army Air Service in World War II, uh, which people online have pointed out, like, oh, that's probably why there's a miniature of the Zero fighter plane that gets pointed out in uh, the Walrus mm-hmm. episode. Um, there's not much written about him or his work, really. Uh, he has a long list of Toho Kaiju movies behind him. Uh, he helped out on Godzilla, The Mysterians, which I actually really want to watch. Uh, I need to go back and, and watch that one. Um, Varen, Varan, I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce that. Varen, the unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I need to... Is, is it Varen? That's... I don't know. I don't remember. I'm assuming. Uh, uh, he also worked out on Mothra vs. Godzilla and King Kong vs. Godzilla. 
um, uh, among many, many others. Those are just some of the highlights. Um, and then apparently, too, he did audio commentary tracks on the um, Japanese releases of King Kong vs. Godzilla and a movie I never knew about called Atragon, which uh, Subaraya worked on and was uh, directed by... Um... Yeah, I've seen Atragon. Oh, is it good? Because it oh, seemed interesting. It was alright. Uh, I don't know. It's, I feel like uh, I need to go back and revisit all of those kaiju movies because it's been a hot minute. So is Atragon a kaiju movie? Because it, it sounded like to me like a submarine like sci-fi thing. It's more thing. of a submarine sci-fi thing, but there is like a dragon in it. Okay. Uh, I might check that out. Um... So then, yeah, aside he long history, again, the familiar story that we've talked about already with a lot of these guys, uh, worked at Toho doing kaiju film stuff, and then went on to work for Subaraya Productions, um, but only helped out on Ultra Q. After that wrapped up, he then went back to Toho and worked behind the scenes as a producer in their TV department. Ultra Q is his last credit for, like, you know, being credited for any, like, film or TV stuff. Um, directly, at least. Uh, I I feel like this is a thing we're seeing a lot, too, where people are exiting the film industry and starting to work on TV stuff by hopping on over to Subaraya Productions, uh, and then they work on Ultra stuff for a bit, and it seems like th- this is, like, the swan song for a lot of these people. Like, they're... It seems like there's a lot of people that wanted to get out of the film industry, and uh, I don't know if TV was just better conditions, lower stakes, uh, better pay who knows but um i I doubt better pay but um this seems to be kind of a transition to like later career stuff for a lot of these people to something that was maybe just a bit more um maybe just a little lower stakes than the the big kaiju movie stuff happening at the time would be my guess at least Mm -hmm. nice yeah nice um mel give us the color times uh, all right, color power time is in for another session. Um, episode seven, we have three minutes twenty five seconds. Okay. Episode eight, one minute forty five seconds. Damn, that was a quick one. Episode nine, two minutes sixteen seconds. All right, okay. yeah. all right. Uh, episode episode eight, he was like really, they were pushing it. Yeah, I had to I had to fit more room of Pigmon dying. <laughs> this is <cute. laughs> um, also. This is completely unrelated, but we didn't talk about it earlier in the episode, but we thought about maybe talking about it at some point. Uh, we found this mm-hmm. uh, production order list of Ultra Q episodes. Right. Yes, that's right. Uh, so, hey, may as well tack it on at the end of this episode. Uh, so, I'm going to go through in order the production. So, first of all, this is on like, a blog, which I call Ultopia. I'll link it in the description, but like a Mm-hmm. So here we have, in order, the production uh, order of Ultra Q. First episode, Mammoth Flower, the Juran episode. Which, on reflection, makes some yeah, sense. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking about, because... like, I, I re-listened to our discussion about the episode yesterday, and, like, that's the episode where it's, like, the establishing thing is, well, one, there's the unbalanced zone. Uh, so, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Uh, but like that's episode. The episode starts with like Jin and Ipe taking out an actual airport job, uh, and then they bump into Yuriko, who is doing a scoop, and Yuriko teases Jin about being a sci-fi author, which we were confused about as like a thing oh. that gets introduced in like episode four. But as like the first episode, that makes sense. Where it's like, oh, if this was meant to be the first episode, then this, <laughs> yeah, right. 
that makes so much sense. Uh, um, but yeah, there's like Jun's like the fact that he's a pilot comes into play as like the way that the problem is solved. Yeah. Um, and I feel like in a way, um, like yeah, you know, we we're not like blown away by this episode, but it does feel like like oh, this is like a good test for like what the idea of ultra q is both as like a weird sci-fi thing slash kaiju thing but without just leading to i can't believe i was about to ask why gomez was the first why they changed gomez to the first episode it's literally a fucking godzilla one yeah i no, there's two <laughs> yeah, of course they episode. put the godzilla one first there's two of them in episode yeah. um so episode two metamorphosis uh, yeah, that yes. I, I, I that was my cold you, shot. I was right. It was. You were absolutely correct. Uh, oh, what a hell of a second episode! Holy shit! Uh, episode three, <laughs> the Devil Child. Okay. Huh. Interesting. So, I wouldn't have thought that one, yeah. but that makes sense. So like they I mean, were they were we talked about a bit. They think, really went on kaiju stuff so at like, that time. Yeah. Obviously, we talked about like they changed the name of the show, and that's probably reflected in like earlier episodes having unbalance in the narration uh but also the other mandate was add more kaiju so i think like earlier episodes are a bit more of the the early episodes they made were more there's a more of a mm-hmm. sci-fi weirdness in there and then the, the more kaiju focused stuff is a, it gets a lot more backloaded interesting uh yeah. episode four the gift from space yeah that makes sense episode five open up what holy shit uh god damn yeah. i mean i guess that's that like... does make sense but that's oh, wild hang on. so which so is oh ichinotani is in duran flower yeah. is in yes. the mammoth flower yeah 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 because okay. ichinotani is phased out later in the production order uh, it is weird because mm-hmm. like open up is like it feels evocative as a last episode but also it is weird just like ipe gets abandoned it feels like a, in some yes. ways it almost feels like oh this is uh a, a culmination of yuriko and jun's relationship maybe uh but also it being like an episode in the middle is funny to think about it is uh, yeah almost like they're, set, like, like they're setting it up yeah it's it'd be um, interesting watching this yeah. in production order and seeing like how it changes god um episodes the ultra q order of watching ultra q yes uh <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be like uh like the like the prisoner fans oh my fucking god uh, episode six i saw a bird yeah, oh, yeah i could see that that one doesn't have the doctor in it though does it wait no yes, it does it does it's off he references. <laughs> um yeah they, he pulls out the book um interesting because we were like this episode airs after the litter episode but because it was made first litter was made with larius's suit mm-hmm. uh it's also interesting in the uh Lagius, uh the actual transformation is like a big deal um compared with litra which is just fucking it's just a giant bird it's just out here yeah. it's just like yeah. it's no biggie you just got a hatch and it's ready to go um episode seven grow up little turtle let's go god damn uh, episode eight the one eighth project okay i yeah i yeah. see what you did there uh episode nine goro and goro episode i imagine getting to episode nine and watching goro it does it it does make sense in a way like oh this is after metamorphosis but 
Yeah. Oh, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. Um, kind of. This is the one that's really throwing me for a loop. Episode 10, The Disappearance of Flight 206. See, so I can kind of see that. Like, if that's around the time where they're like, hey, you need to start putting more fucking kaiju in these things, and they're like, ah, Jesus Christ, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll put a fucking walrus in the sky. <laughs> it's a fucking walrus in the sky. Why is it up there? I think I, th- I, think, I, think, I, think, I think I briefly read on the same blog, I don't know, I forget the post, but you can probably find it on this blog somewhere, that, like, uh, they just got, like, a walrus monster from another Godzilla movie because it was, like, a really last-minute edition. <laughs> There's a walrus monster? Oh, jeez, I need to get through Godzilla. <laughs> we gotta, <laughs> At so some point, he's going to show up, and I'm going to clap. We are, we are announcing our Patreon, where our goal is monthly Godzilla movie podcasts. Anyway. <laughs> Rip Patreon goals. Yeah. Um, the Okay, so that's Flight 2 once. Okay. Yeah. We're getting the wrap. We're getting what felt like wrap-up on character stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess anthology series don't actually have characters, though, but, you know. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Episode 11, Terror of the Sweet Honey. Those okay. being back-to-back make absolute sense to me, especially with what I said with the, they share a director. I, I totally see that. Episode 12, Defeat Gomez. Okay. Yeah. Uh, episode 13, Baron Spider. Hell nice. Yeah. This is a good episode. Okay, this next this next two batch is really throwing me for a loop as well. Episode fourteen, Pegula is here. Okay. Episode fifteen, Tokyo Ice Age. No, huh? You gotta wait a bit. Yeah. I mean, they did reset. Unless, anyway. unless, unless by that time, by that point, they're like making it kind of thinking like maybe, maybe we won't put them back to back in the actual yeah. show. Uh, right like they're not necessarily making these with the intention of making them with airing them in order yeah um i don't have dates for when these were made but you know that's fine i guess mm-hmm. episode 16 belunga nice uh episode 17 garadama okay that, i'm surprised that one's that late actually Episode 18, Space Directive M774. Okay, so we got that... some we got we, that's the uh that's the one with the stingray and the okay, uh, okay, okay. the a, the alien that saves everyone. Yeah, I and whenever then, I whenever then, I hear the, the M, end. I always think of M1, but yeah, that's that is the stingray one. At the at the very end she looks straight at the camera, points at you and says, "Your friends are aliens." <laughs> um Episode 19, Blazing Victory damn good episode imo very good episode 20 kanagon's cocoon also good episode imo hell yeah Yeah. episode 21 and the rainbow's egg huh sure that's falls a little flat to to be that late uh yeah we're coming back episode 22 challenge from the year 2020 let's go uh immediately Swinging back in the other direction, talks to twenty three furry of the South Sea. <laughs> well, well, which, we can't all be winners. Which I think, ironically um, enough, they don't. They don't. Same number. They don't have to be. They don't have to lose quite so much as that, but they can't all be winners. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, I think that's the same one that, that shares a number with its broadcast order. Okay, that's kind of fun. Uh, episode twenty four, uh, the undersea humanoid Ragon. That's very, that's very funny to make right after Suda. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
episode 25 the underground super express goes west that blows my mind that one's that late they were they they were like looking back at Canagon and the and the and the turtle and going like we had something we had something we got to do that again and they couldn't <laughs> episode 26 SOS Mount Fuji shut the fuck up that's no so way Oh, man, I would. You should be good at this by now. What a what a limp ending. <laughs> uh, episode twenty seven. The idol of Goga. Is that yes, the last let's episode? Go. Of they the brought show? it back. There's one more. Okay. Um, yeah, for some reason, I thought twenty six was the ending. <laughs> it's twenty eight. I'm dumb. The last episode broadcast or the last episode release of. Uh, oh, hang on, let, hang on. Let me see if I can remember what's missing. Um. Garad- uh, Garamond strikes back. Oh yep, yeah, yep, that's the last one they made. Oh, to be honest, that's a that's a pretty cool it one. It is. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Uh, it would be a weird one to leave off of, but yes. Uh, well, you know what? It'd be interesting to lead into Ultraman with that. To be honest. Yeah, that that makes sense. There's a through line there. I'm also thinking like that episode aired like that's episode it made, but like that means it had to have been. I think it aired like in the March of that year, just based off. Mm-hmm. Who I read earlier in like previous weeks, so that like if it aired and was put to air, like if it, it was if it was made and like put to air like really quickly, then that means like we can get a time frame of like okay, this is when they started working on Ultraman because they did start working on Ultraman around like March of that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice, but yeah, there, there we go. That's our production order on Ultra Q. Different perspective yeah. on the show, probably. Yes. I mean, everything about Ultra Q is a little unbalanced, so I, <laughs> you know, it, it it works out. But uh, yeah, interesting to see the kind of like the through the create the through line of creation at least. Yeah, if I ever do rewatch that show, I think I might try out that production order. That, but that, I feel like that'd be really fun. Uh, you got some. You got a, like a couple of dead episodes in back to back there. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere. But um, Pegula back to back yeah. just doesn't feel as fun. But also, that's what happened. With that Pegula is true. Yeah, that's the one that's kind of weird. That does imply that there is like a year where nothing happens, though, which is also kind of funny in its own way. <laughs> that is really funny. I mean, yeah, that to that that's probably the biggest indication of like uh, these weren't you know that that's production order, and you can you can see like the the through line of what you know the people making the show uh but that year gap is like that's not necessarily the order that they they originally meant to air it or anything yeah. like that it's yeah. probably just as easy as we want to use pegula again so we're just going to use it the same way yeah 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 while and while we've got the suit even though so even though i had to dig up caramon later it seems so. also so yeah. is the space operation one with the stingray fury of the south sea and ragon are those three all back to back no no uh okay but two of those are the south sea and the ragon yeah, one right the south sea was like uh between garadama and blazing victory because i could see those two sharing locations because like you know where you go hey we're already at the beach sort of thing yeah <laughs> we, we got we're, everything we're, set we're, up we already talked about yeah. like how last week about how uh, we could see the through line between how Ragon could have gone and what Sudar actually was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I guess it turns out man. what this episode had in Ultraman. 
Ultra Q is good. Yeah. Ultra Q is a good show. It's a uh, very good time. People should watch it. You should. Uh, we're not. I'm not going to say this every single week, but <laughs> it's a good yeah, show. We, we'll uh, we'll we'll taper off saying it every uh, and eventually, but yeah. Um. Well, unless we have anything else, we have managed to go for two hours. Um. Once again. Um. Uh. That we had like we. <laughs> We had to get into academic discussion uh, of uh, <laughs> Orientalism and also uh, the Mario movies uh, and also Captain Scarlet. And uh, also Oshinoko. And yeah, the, the anime for sickos. <laughs> uh, uh, we have emails too. <laughs> I, say, I, I, say, I say this as though I'm uh, uh, judgmental. I, I can go sickos mode. I can, I can watch that kind of shit. Um, the, um, yeah, so... Next week, well, no. Why am I doing this all yeah, right? We have, Plugs. We have there we too. go. We got an email. Oh, we got yeah. a, we got emails as well. Yeah, we put off emails last week, so. Uh, I'll cut this. I won't. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Mel, emails. Yeah, so, because we got emails to catch up on. Mel's plug is the email. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So first off, uh, we got an email from James. Uh, they were hoping they can make it for the ultra finale unfortunately they didn't and also we unfortunately shafted them further by putting it back another week <laughs> uh, life happens sorry james i i had uh, easter plans with my family i'm very sorry that's my bad yeah uh first they sent this really nice picture of that i'm gonna try and send in the chat and hopefully i can get it in the episode description at some point but uh it's our our five main characters <laughs> Oh, oh this is great uh, that's so little garamond's so tiny yeah, so if, uh, so yeah it's a picture of the, the three stars of ultra q jun ipe and yuriko next to uh pegula and garamon you notice jun is not making eye contact with pegula uh, he's more interested in yuriko <laughs> <laughs> ipe is really interested <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, this is a great photo. Uh, Fantastic. This is also, wonderful. this is actually a fairly lengthy email. I'm gonna try and like uh give it in like as brief as I can. Uh, but like, you know, he's giving us some useful trivia. So very much thanks to James. Um mm-hmm. So first, so we're talking about the last episode, open up. Uh hey, spoilers for Ultra Q, as much as spoilers matter <laughs> in an anthology series. Uh which mm-hmm. yeah, anyway, go watch it. Um so the boss gave uh, the man a tonic, which is supposed to sober up. Oh, okay. Oh. I understand now. Uh, yeah. And uh, all the train flying media is inspired by a 1934 novel called Night on the Galactic Railroad. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Cool. What's that? Uh, they also mentioned that they started reading Akira Toriyama's Manga Theater One-Shot Collection, which has some cops playing Ultraman in it, and there's Garmon in it. Okay. Uh, interesting. interesting. <laughs> oh, I oh I see. Night on the Galactic Railroad was inspired yeah. by the uh, the flying train stuff. I see. Uh, they say okay. they're 
they're not a fan of Total Other Walrus. Damn. Thank you for your support. Uh, uh, the the anti-Totaler um, brigade. They say Alter Q is on their list of shows where a giant walrus randomly appears near the end alongside Wolfrain. <laughs> I have many crosses to bear. Totala, <laughs> Pat Labor too. Uh, their top three are Garamon, Baron Spider, and Gorgos. Fantastic. Uh, Gorgos from SOS Mount Fuji. Oh yeah, wait, no, Gorgos. I was thinking of the Rainbow's Egg one. Oh, Gorgos is a funny. Gorgos Gorg- is Gorg- a weird little man. Uh, they also mentioned. Gorgos gets. They also mentioned yeah. something. I think I mentioned to you guys before, but I forget if you remember. The Subaraya did make. The, the studio made a 73 series called Horror Theater Unbalance, which is a more straightforward horror anthology series. I yep. I did, I did at least at some point stumble onto that and was very sad to find that there are no, like, there's no subbed way to watch that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're giving us some more trivia. Some of the stuff we talked about in, like, early episodes, so I'll skip those, but there are some stuff that we will, I will you know, I'll mention because they're cool, and I think I saw them in my research, but I didn't have sources for them, so I'll say I'll rely on the email to be my source. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's some unreleased there's some unreleased skips where the cicada man survives uh, being burned alive. Oh, uh, the return to Earth. Uh, there's an episode. There's a bunch of episodes apparently where Super I want if they could go on longer, uh, they'd have. If Ultra Q was not like ended and they went on to do Ultraman. Super I had the idea of like having monsters from Ultra Q fighting each other. So some of these ideas would have been okay. M1 fighting Gorgos. Uh Peter That's no, Oh, just battle of a, the worst. Uh Peter versus <laughs> Peter versus Pagos. Let's go. Pagos oh, I'm pro Garamon Peter. And Goro versus Garamon. Uh but yeah, the show ended before they could do it because they went on to do the Silverman. Jun was a- now. I bet a lot of those episodes would have been bad, but God, do I wish I got to see them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Why is Peter was- fighting? <laughs> uh. Um, Jun was apparently supposed to own a flying car. Um, oh, and Otani was supposed to be the narrator originally. I could see that. Um, there's an unaired, there was an episode they didn't finish or that were unaired called Oil SOS, uh, that had a monster called Bostang, which ended up, well, they had a Manta monster that they used for Bostang. Apparently this episode just gets, they remake or reuse this episode from Ultraman. So, hey. I was about to say that, I'm pretty sure that's an Ultraman episode we're getting up to pretty soon. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so that'll be fun. We'll have that context for that already. Um... And then the original draft for the so the original draft for Wu has like a fun bug monster named Wu, who befriends our news reporter. Uh, mm-hmm. But they had to fight monsters and stuff like that. Uh, eventually, there is going to be a 2006 show called Bioplanet Wu, and it has zero subtitles. Oh, <laughs> right. uh, but just to um, know that Wu did survive eventually. Excellent. Um, Can I interrupt to read some of the episode titles from Horror Theater Unbalance? Yes. yes, please. Also, yes, just, please. Just want to say that's the end of James' email. So thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, okay. Oh, thank you, James. Um, very informative. Episode one of Horror Theater Unbalanced: Love Affair with a Mummy. <laughs> uh, two is the woman who warns of death. 
three is the killing game, four is graveyard of masks, five, a woman calling out for a corpse, six, woman buying a local newspaper. A lot of women in this, uh, a lot of uh, different types of women in <laughs> horror theater on balance. Uh, classic. Uh, seven, when the dawn breaks. Eight, the cat knew. Um, nine, morgue killer. Uh, ten, order of the salary man. <laughs> that sounds incredible. Uh, eleven, screaming vampires. Uh, twelve, cursed hand from the grave. And thirteen, the spider woman. Um, I had I had not read the rest of them, but I had read Love Affair with a Mummy, and I was like, I have to read these out loud. <laughs> uh, ladies out there, tag yourselves and no. Um, <laughs> uh, later. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. Thank you for the email. Yeah, um, got uh, two more emails. Nice. So the second email. Uh, which was, again, another one from last week we missed. Uh, Thomas. Uh, they just finished the first Ultraman podcast. Uh, they think it is a bold choice for family entertainment to have a genocide of an entire species. Uh, I also thought it was a bold choice. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. They are enjoying our production history trivia segments. Uh, I mean, I after listening to the Ultraman production history yeah that is pretty great um, the, yeah the ultraman production history was like maybe the wildest thing that I... <laughs> this is yeah. absolute mess yeah uh they are thanking me for bringing it to the podcast so thank you very much but also i'm sending thanks to razen for taking up the mantle for the episodic stuff yeah uh, I do nothing. I I turn up. You you write the summaries, which as someone who does that for a common rider podcast that has not been updated in a while, takes a lot of fucking work. So don't you dare you. And you also edit these. You you edit these. Uh, so don't tell them that they'll know who to blame. <laughs> uh, I just I just post memes on the Twitter. Yeah, and that that all that is your shit posts are your shit posts are art sometimes. Yeah, I try. Um, the final email is from within this past week. Uh, it's from Shane. Uh, they're saying they want to stick around all the way through Showa Ultra, uh, and they're excited for us to get to Ultraman Leo because they're a fan of that show. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, they also have a question. Uh, if we were to in a position to calm down an unrated Dragon, what music would you put to calm it down? Oh. Uh, to calm down, Ragon. Um. Uh, what seemed to calm him in the episode? I was it remember. just music in general? I think it was just music generally. I mean, there wasn't really a. I I, you know what? I would play. Uh, I would play the um dire dire docks theme from Mario sixty four. I feel like you'd be predisposed to like it. It's the same aquatic vibe. It's very soothing and relaxing. Ooh, aquatic vibe. I would play Unison by Hoshua Marine. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I mentioned Hoshua Marine two weeks in a row. <sighs> oh. 
Uh, oh well, we are who we are. Yeah. Uh, maybe the lane opening. <laughs> oh, that is good. <laughs> Play them fucking oh. um, the, the edge of the ocean by whatever band it is who also did the song that is the opening to Kingdom Hospital, which is a Stephen King adjacent thing. That was. Uh, Listen, that's deep. I I can't remember what the thing is. Someone else will have to do that deep dive. That's fair. Uh, also, they asked uh, if they want to like make a schedule for the podcast, like GGPs, because media is all over the place. And my answer to that is, we do have a spreadsheet, uh, so I think that's kind of accounted for. But also, you know, if you want to make it on your own and we can compare notes, that wouldn't be bad either. I think. Mm-hmm. Because I keep thinking, like, am I missing stuff, or is there subs I can't find? There's also uh, there's also like uh, some questions about how we approach certain things that aren't Ultraman but are. Um, in the in the well, conversation, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I I I was just ending that sentence there. They aren't Ultraman, but they kind of are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, just like stuff that's like, hey, are we even? How how do we cover this thing that isn't? probably gonna be worth an entire episode kind of thing right yeah right that kind of thing like, so you know, may maybe if something is like a hundred episodes of just fight scenes we can't <laughs> yeah we'll just you know have the we'll worst just... fucking like year of our lives <laughs> i mean it actually wouldn't be that bad we'd probably hop on for like a 10 minute call at most and be like yeah see you oh, <laughs> see you man. next week that'd be so I I think that would be miserable. I would have that would be pretty miserable. Uh, that that is to say, we are not going to cover a ultra fight in full. <laughs> yeah, some ultra fights we will because they'll have plot, but that's like you know for eight years from now. Oh, can you say that less? Oh, <laughs> I just, I don't even know this is the time frame. I just know that like. Let me just check this spreadsheet because I know we have a time projection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the time is uh, a hell of a drug. And like it'll be, I don't know. There's a lot of fifty episodes of series, which like makes things. I, mm -hmm. I am. I I'm telling you right now. I am doing my best to stay on this train as long as I can, and I hope I, I hope I can. <laughs> <laughs> Eight years yeah. though, goddamn. <laughs> yeah. Um... I want to believe. <laughs> Yeah, so from our, our projected schedule, we'd get to, like, Ultraman 80 in June of 2025. Okay. Holy shit. And then we're out of the Showa era. Well, that's the end of the Showa era. Okay. Wait, when does the uh, show? Hang on. When does well, the Showa like, era end? That's, like, the, well, that's the end of, like, the mainline Showa era stuff, and then, like, there's a hiatus of production stuff where they're, like, what the oh, fuck okay. Ultraman for, like, a decade? Or two. Right, yes. I forgot I forgot that Ultraman took mad high And like there's a bunch of, like in the spreadsheet there's like a bunch of stuff, but it's mostly like movies and like there's some like shorter series and stuff, but you know. Mm -hmm. We won't talk too much about that. Uh and then like yeah. it might be like another year until we get to like Tika or something after that. That's the next mainline series. Okay. Things go. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, it'll be a while from now until we even think about stuff. I didn't even project beyond that because I was like, uh, there's some stuff here that's, you know, short animated stuff that doesn't have subs, and who knows if it'll count into our 
how well count turn it into our mm -hmm. stuff. So we'll see. Yeah, we will. We will see. You are uh, free to speculate about <laughs> about the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, it might not it might not be all that productive though yeah De definitely kind of intimidating being like oh damn all the shows i saw are like so far off <laughs> yeah that's there's a lot of this um god damn well we're on long clock <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> if, if gtp I... can do it then it Question mark, question mark, so cool. I'm gonna do my best, barring barring life getting in the way. I want to ride this boat as long as I can. I've I've bought a lot of Blu-rays and DVDs. I'm invested in the perpetuation of this. I didn't spend money. I'm glad. Yeah, you're you're just red. You're just smarter than us, honestly. I mean, I I bought Blu-rays, officer. I would. Yeah, what's that? I just like to have a shelf full of. I just like having a shelf full of dumb things like uh here let's pull something uh Gun Frontier or Final Fantasy the Spirits Within or Ultra and Kids Yeah Nice Why do I yeah. own Tsukihime on DVD? Why did I buy this? Whatever. Wait, you own the terrible Tsukihime anime on DVD? Yeah, it's a Sentai Selects. It says right here on the top of the box. Why? I don't know. I probably listen. <laughs> Sometimes right stuff just has shit for like five dollars. I'm like, oh, fucking yeah, why? Now, yeah. now to be fair, I haven't watched that anime, but it is an anime adaptation of Tsukihime. So like, I uh, I already don't know how much I recommend it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, the nice thing at least is that by the time we're like at the end of this year, we'll be in our fourth show. So you know, yeah, yeah. The the immediate pace of all this is still pretty. Pretty solid. It, it'd probably mm -hmm. be more dire if we were doing GGP pacing of two a week instead of three. True. Uh, the the thing is, the when when we talked about the possibility of doubling up on things, I did think I don't know that I could do six episodes a week, but I could do four. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't. That's getting way ahead of ourselves. Uh, the yeah, audience doesn't even have context for what we're talking about. So. We this will is true. see. We will see. We yeah, forget this conversation happened. Uh, this is my command to the uh, the audience. Thank you for the emails, everyone. Yeah, it's nice that yeah. people are listening to our thing and wanting to talk to us about it. That's very good. I appreciate it. Uh, inexplicably, this has now become our longest podcast. <laughs> is it? Oh, don't we have one that's gone been going for? Maybe. Uh, we've had a bit of a disaster. Uh, my recording failed at some point. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, at two hours and seven minutes. Uh, I guess we'll use the OBS to back that up. Well, unless we have anything else, uh, I think we can get into plugs. Um, if you want to follow the show, uh, you can do so on Twitter at ultra underscore Q. Um... That is ultra underscore Q U E U uh, E. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at gender underscore redacted. Uh, if you want to follow me on co-host, I'm at November. I'm still going through the RTS games. I think uh, next up, I might be playing Command and Conquered. I might be playing something else. I, Command and Conquered, Command and Conquer. I was about to say. Like, I mean, I, that, it's, that it's, it's an, actually was called. <laughs> I guess this is an this is an old game. It's past tense. Um. Anyway, um, 
who knows? Who knows what I'm doing next? Uh, but yeah, that's me, uh, Razen. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, Rosin Bran. Uh, I'm getting back to making stuff this week, I swear. I know I say this all the time, but I actually have stuff in the oven this time, so it will for sure happen. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Rosin Bran. Uh, recently I compiled a, an archive of Mark Simmons's uh, Gundam-related tweets because uh, there's some good info that uh, would have been sorely missed if he had just deleted his Twitter account without uh, allowing people to grab that. So he, he left his Twitter account open for a little bit so that people like me could archive stuff. And uh, I grabbed what I could and I put in a little Google Doc. So you can find that on my Twitter. Yeah, nice. Uh, uh, Mel. Yeah. Uh, I sometimes have a Twitter at Dear Crowns. Uh, I have a Twitch, Cosmic underscore Crown, which is, you know, it exists. Uh, and our email that you can email to is ultraqpod at gmail.com. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, next we got we got uh, three more episodes of Ultraman. Uh, episodes 10, 11, 12. Uh, join us for those. Uh, and just remember, if you see Hayata, he's fine. There's nothing wrong with Hayata. He'll be fine. No matter what happens. Hey, there he is right now. Yeah, he's coming around the corner. Yeah. Um, so, bye-bye for now. See you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Bye-bye.